Alright, we're in episode 6, and as you can see by the crazy-ass title card on YouTube, or from the title on the podcast, I'm with the radical one himself, Radical Reggie. Uh, How's go, it going? Go ahead, introduce yourself, tell the peeps a little bit about who you are, what you do. Well, I am Radical Reggie, uh, I am a YouTuber, you guys might know me from the Metal Jesus channel, and I actually uh, started my own channel as well, where I talk about a lot of video games and uh, my thoughts on things, and reviews, top tens, things like that, stuff that might interest people. Hell yeah. Um, very happy how far the channel's come, and I'm happy to be on your podcast, bro. Cool, thanks for uh, joining me in this uh, bullshittery that we're about to... Uh partake in <laughs> it's gonna be fun so it was funny as like reggie and i were sitting here for literally like 10 15 minutes trying to get this daggone audio to work and i mentioned i was playing this donna dana game on the uh sega mega drive japanese sega mega drive um right. but i didn't tell you how i was playing it i'm playing it probably the craziest most complicated way that you could think <laughs> and and that's how how but it's legit. So um, I'm playing it on a Sega Nomad. However, the Sega Nomad has its screen modified with an LCD by my buddy freaking Dirk Mathis, who um, I've uh, hung out with him at Game On Expo, which is Game 31's convention. Um, and he also modified the battery pack to be rechargeable, like a freaking DS or 3DS or anything. And I have an EverDrive MD in it. With an SD card to have all the Genesis games. <laughs> oh man, you're set up. So I'm sitting here playing this game, just like chilling while we're trying to get this freaking audio to work. And but the game is like, I was just playing it again, and it's like I can always get blown away because when we're talking, you know, the the newest hidden gaming gems book, like this fucking game needs to be like covered. And I'm not sure if Rewind Mike's gonna write about it or not. But if he's not, then shit. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, man. Like, like dude, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if you've played it, but holy shit. <laughs> I have not, man, but talking about that, that screen mod you got, man, I've seen how it looks, and it, it looks fantastic. You know, it's just like when the Nomad came out, the screen wasn't like like that great, you know, yeah. if I remember correctly. But uh, when I saw somebody said they use what they do when they mod that system, they use like a, a, nav- a car navigator screen for it, and it looks like, it looks fantastic, you know, after the mod is done, so... Yeah, I need to look into that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, Dirk was awesome to do it for me. Um, so I sent him my original Nomad. Like, I've had this thing for, like, 20 years. And, right. like, I just sent it over to him because uh, he sent me the battery pack thing, and it, like, wasn't working right. And I think he switched the polarity or something that those crazy hackers talk about. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I know, I know tech. I know how to hack stuff, but it's, like, i just not a solder master. Like, I just don't do it. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, so he fixed that for me, and I'm like, dude, I'm just going to send you my Nomad. And he did the little screen mod, too. And I haven't even taken the film off of the screen yet. Like, it just Don't looks, do it. It looks so cool. Like, like it looks just, fucking cool. Just leave it on, because that's, like, a screen protector pretty much. <laughs> yeah, right now it is. And the thing is, though, is that I am literally got this ready and poised for my next complete book, obviously. If you know what um, system I'm talking about, then you know what my next complete book's going to be, the complete Genesis. So ah, <laughs> so, nice. so I'm getting prepped and ready so I can start playing every single game in the Genesis library, and now I'm going to be able to play it like portably anywhere. 
I wanted to ask you, man, like, you know, you, you, you go through every game, which is great, but do you get burnt out a little bit? Like, like, whoa, man, it's a lot of, like, a lot of games to play. Like, how, <laughs> how long do you play the games when you go through them? So I play them as long as they're interesting and as long as I can make a definitive opinion and gist of the game. Because if you notice in the complete NES and complete SNES, it's very simplistic writing on purpose. And I just want to write about it like, hey, this is what this game is. And then I'm not playing them to fruition because that's what I save for like the Hidden Gaming Gems book or my compendiums and stuff like that is the stories. Right. And so this is, they're not thorough reviews on purpose. It allows me to streamline when I'm playing everything, but like I'll get sucked into games and be playing them for a while sometimes. Um, and, and the other thing is there's no time limit. So it's not like I have to get them all done in a week or something. Like I can take a year if I want to. Like, there you go. Yeah. And then there's also, you know, y'all contributors that help out greatly where it's killing me from the burnout. Um, and with the Genesis book, which I might get some flack for, I'm creating a, I call it a BS section. Um, I'm moving all the different Maddens, all the different MLBs, NBAs, NHLs, NASCARs, <laughs> ESPNs, fishing games, all that weird stuff that like I'm generally not interested in and most collectors aren't interested in. I'm putting it in a collectible section in the back where I'm not writing about them. Awesome. Um, and of course, as you know, when I do the Kickstarter, contributors can write about whatever game they want. And like, if somebody wants to write about NHL '94, which we know is going to happen, um, they can. <laughs> okay. But it's just not going to be in there, and I'm not doing a write up on all those games because with the complete SNES, writing about all the differences in every version of Madden and every version of FIFA was a nightmare. Yeah, I and bet it was. Man. That that's <laughs> where I got burned out, and I was like, I don't really give a shit about these games. I'm doing it for you know completion's sake, but at least now it's going to be like streamlined. They'll still be there, but and they're still going to be able to check off the cart box manual. But you don't have to. I don't have to write about them all. And then now, when I say sports games, though, I'm not talking about gimmick games. So, Mutant League Hockey is going to be written about. NBA Jam is going to be written about. Like the right. cla- the classics will be written about. It's just, I'm talking about your every freaking year games. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and the Genesis has a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does, man. When you brought up NBA Jam, I just thought about Boom Shakalaka and like, he's on fire, and like, <laughs> man, those are like so many memories of that, man. Is it Seriously. the shoes? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god, dude! Uh, we just did um on VGBS. We just uploaded uh, NBA Jam memories episode. It was like pretty fucking fun. <laughs> and every time Kyle and I did one of those quotes, he added like a reverb to it. Because <laughs> he, he had you know, his VGBS. <laughs> you know what's funny about that game was, uh, so when the game came out, I think it was like 92, it's when Shaquille O'Neal was a rookie in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to the arcade. My, my 7-Eleven, this is when 7-Elevens had arcades. And we went there, there was a Neo Geo machine, a Street Fighter machine, then there was NBA Jam. And me and my cousin were so pumped up because we went to pick the Orlando Magic and Shaquille O'Neal was in it. You know what I mean? You know, because he... Strong guy, you know, he was he busted the rim and everything in his rookie year. Damn right he did. But when we got the Super Nintendo version and the Sega Genesis version, we noticed that Shaquille O'Neal wasn't in the game. We were like, what the heck happened? You know, yeah. like, he, got, he didn't make it into the game. And that was, like, the main purpose of us buying the game. And we noticed that Jordan wasn't in there. And a couple, a few stars weren't in the game. So it kind of, made, it kind of took away a little bit. But Yeah, it was one uh, of those interesting trivia pieces is that, like, technically Jordan and Gary Payton 
weren't in the NBA Jam arcade games either. But there is one version of the game that Michael Jordan owns <laughs> where he's in it. <laughs> Are you serious? Serious. And I think Gary Payton's in the same boat, too, where they each have their own version of NBA Jam at their house. Uh, yeah. I need to leak it. Hey, hey, Jordan. Hey, Jordan, how about you uh, get us some jams? That's right, man. <laughs> I mean, that's like seriously one of my favorite games. And the Genesis port is probably my favorite port of the original NBA Jam. And then Tournament Edition right. is Super Nintendo, for sure. Okay. But, like, uh, yeah, dude. Love that game. Amazing. <laughs> I like yeah. how they brought it back a couple years ago and it was still a lot of fun then uh, i think it was on nintendo wii ps3 and 360 i haven't played that version yet but my hair was really good i saw it i haven't played it either like it's almost like we were doing ourselves a disservice for nostalgia so. yeah you know what after this podcast man i'm probably gonna go out and pick it up maybe <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> but you know how it is man yeah it so the other thing that I've been doing, well, there's two other things, but one of the main things I've been doing is I've been playing on, um, I have a Raspberry Pi, All right? and I did a, a Kickstarter a while ago where they do a pie cart, and they created the whole thing for me. Um, I found a cool-ass image that I like that does this attract mode thing where it's like really visual, but it actually works how exact, exactly how I want it. Um, I was trying to add MSX games to it, which is like a pretty obscure Japanese console like a computer right by microsoft mm-hmm. and but it has a lot of konami games and amazing it's almost like an nes um some of the games have better graphics some don't the definitive Met- metal storm is on it um so it's it's really cool but um when i went to add the emulator i it ended up deleting all of my views my displays on the raspberry pi today just just before we recorded it so i'm like i'm taking a break for a while from that <laughs> dude the raspberry pi man i always wanted to try that man there's an arcade game that i want to play so badly but i can never get it working on my computer yeah and uh i just don't know how maybe but my buddy said he probably could get it working on the raspberry pi that okay. game it's called chaos heat so if anybody's ever played that game, it is one of the most underrated underrated arcade games, hidden gems, uh, unknown arcade game out there. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, from what I've seen of it, it looks fun. and But I just need to find a way to play it, man, because, oh, my God, that game looks so good. Freaking Chaos Heat, huh? Freaking yeah, the sequel came out on PS1, which I'm going to do a hidden gems about. uh <laughs> In one of your vid- in so, one of your uh, books. So the only place I can find it is on a website called Lunatic Obscurity, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and it's not yep. even online. It's called. It looks like you're running around. Like it looks like Chaos Break. Right. It's uh, a more action-paced uh, Chaos Break. Uh, it's multiplayer. You go in rooms, you take care of enemies, uh, you're in the laboratory, you can pick through three characters. Yeah. And, and it's just really, it's like a SWAT team, like breaking in on a, you know, like, like kind of like breaking in on a, on a, on enemies and everything. It's, it's really cool. And it, it makes me sad because I started to see why a lot of like, like why MAME exists, you know, mm-hmm. if MAME didn't exist, bro, a lot of these games would have been lost in time. We couldn't Nobody would know them. about them. You couldn't play them. I mean, these guys, when they made arcade games, it seemed like they didn't have 
any kind of way, like they didn't have any, they didn't think of any way that they were going to like uh, save them or like keep them in a vault to protect them over time. They yeah, said, no. No, they were like in the moment. They're like, oh, put this game out, make us some money. Uh, when it stops making us money, who cares? They, you know, yeah, just... that was literally that whole era of gaming. They, there's really no, um, they didn't do any kind of preservation for it. And it's unfortunate because like there's a lot of original documents, original versions of games, like artwork that's lost. And yeah. like this game right here is an emulated perfectly is what it says on the, the website, that lunatic obscurity website. But um, you're right, though, with like emulation is very important. And, you know, I mentioned the EverDrive for the uh, my my Genesis. The other thing that they allow you to do is play Japanese games with patches and stuff. So you can play them on original hardware awesome. in English. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's just you get a new experience, too. And yeah. the, the other aspect is to say you're an arcade collector. Well, you got to have a damn warehouse if you want to play everything, like multiple yeah. warehouses. So it's like having MAME and having a Raspberry Pi is amazing. And then it allows you to like hone in on what you want to collect. Do you think there are, I mean, I, I never thought about this. Are there arcade collectors out there? Like, <laughs> are mean, there arcade collectors? There's a fuck ton, man. <laughs> dude. I, I mean, I just never hear about them, man. I just, I just oh, yeah. really thought about that just now. Like, oh, wow, my God. Collectors? Oh, yeah, there's tons. And the funny thing was is uh, episode five last week, I had uh, Philip Seidner on here, and he runs Twincade. It's a barcade. And literally, he right. is an arcade collector, and his wife's like, we got to do something with all these arcades. He created a barcade, and now people can enjoy his games. Wow, dude. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty crazy. But the warehouse thing, you know? Oh, my God. Like... There's so many, and that's when, like, that's why arcade collecting is interesting, because I have a few arcade games, and I've actually salvaged arcade games in the past, where I went with right. a couple other collectors that I knew, and we went to an old abandoned warehouse that was leaking, and it was like a graveyard of destroyed arcade and pinball machines, oh. and we found a few preserved ones, and we also saved all the marquee art and everything, but, right. um, but like, basically, they... Like, a lot of these guys just collect and have them all on a really cool-ass 80s display. I've seen some amazing basements. I've seen... Like, dude, it's a different level, though. Like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm never going to be a, a comprehensive completionist collector. Um, just, number one, because of the the relative um, obscurity of things. Um, and the interest. Because it's everything's not going to be cheap. But with arcades, yeah. shit can get cheap because, say, you have a warehouse, Reggie, and all of a sudden you got to offload all your shit. Well, you can't sit on it, so you got to offload your arcade games for cheap. Like, it's there's never going to be a, oh, this game is $2,000, um, unless it's a really, really rare game. Right. But, like, get... yeah, dude, like, Donkey Kong's always in demand, right? But if you got to get rid of your freaking warehouse and there's Donkey Kong in there, I'm getting it for pretty cheap. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. I got a Donkey Kong Jr. cocktail, one of the sit-down ones. Oh, it yeah? Was, it was like 100 bucks. Nice, dude. Shit's mint. Nice. And I move around every two to three years, as you know. And right. mine's sitting at my dad's house. He bitches about it, about it sitting in his house where he, where he doesn't even see it. So, But he's still complaining. But, um, but yeah, that one, <laughs> that one's cool. And what's cool about the Donkey Kong Jr. board is is that that one can be modified to do the double DK mod where you can have Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. on it. That's tight, man. Yeah, uh, and it's all standard arcade Nintendo buttons and Nintendo joystick, and it's 
really responsive. See, I, I had an arcade uh, uh, recently, uh, Aliens Arcade Cabinet. It cool. was a modified one to where it would look more like the Aliens movie because the original arcade cab for Aliens was just this bland black arcade thing. It didn't Correct. look really cool at all. So this guy, he modified it where it looked like a spaceship from the movie, and it was great. It was great, dude. I mean, playing Aliens arcade game, which is pretty much obscure. Nobody knows about it. It's a run-and-gun shooter, awesome game. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, it is. Is it like Outside, it's like a successor almost to Alien vs Predator? Uh, pretty much, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like well, it came out before. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's like a uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's just yeah, exactly. And a perfect so, example, Reggie, to your earlier comment, I wouldn't know about it if I didn't play it on Mame. Really? Yep, hundred percent. See, I call it Mame. Other about. people call it Mammy. I. I call it, man. <laughs> I saw Alias, the arcade game, when I was a kid once. I think I was like nine or ten years old when I saw really? it. Really? You saw it? I saw it at arcade, and, you know, I didn't, at the time, I had already ran out, run out of money because I think I was playing at the time Double Dragon 2 a lot. Yeah. That was my favorite arcade game, and I, I, I glanced at it, and I walked away. And then years later, I see it again, and this game is amazing, dude. I mean, seriously, it's sad that this is, like, one of the games that's lost in time. Like, it hasn't been ported to anything. It's just... A really good running gun shooter. And, and, and really, that's the definitive uh, definition of a hidden gem. Yeah, exactly, it's man. It's underappreciated. Nobody really knows about it. And you know what's funny? I found another one for sale. <laughs> Two of them? Yeah, uh, this lady has the original art. She's in this, this this place called the BNI, which is like a swap meet, indoor yeah. swap meet here in, uh, in uh, Tacoma. And I went into her store, and she had the arcade game in there. She sold it for six hundred bucks, and I looked at it. You know, it's not worth six hundred bucks the way the condition is. No. But if you could talk, if you could talk, you could probably talk. She could probably sell it for two hundred, maybe a hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred at most. But it's the original arcade cab. I didn't see it turned on. I think it works though because it, it looked like it worked at least. I don't know. But uh, I saw another one. And I thought that was amazing. They're like what luck! You see, like a couple of those games within like a two-year period. I thought that was crazy. It's uh, freaking so. crazy. And the thing is, is that you mentioned something too. Is that it's in the original one, and then the one you have, or do you still have it or had it? No, I I sold it. It was okay. Mine was custom. Yeah, and then the yours was custom. So what's cool, and I always customize my stuff. But there's arcade collectors that want everything as mint-looking, Factory. original, original yeah, as possible. Like that. And I that's the other thing. Flavor. So that's the level of arcade collecting that's really crazy is the ones that can actually use, like, Bondo and crazy, like, wood fixing and painting. And they re restore the art. And I'm talking about restore, like, the paint and everything, not just put a sticker on it. And yep. Like people are talented out there, and arcade is like a different level. And it's have it's you crazy. have you seen Eric Bishop's video of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade? That oh yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought about. Man, he went yeah. through everything to restore that thing. My buddy uh, Gerard, he's um he does uh, Mister Wizard Reproductions. He's restoring and converting a Nintendo Red Tent arcade. And I have a pure stock mint Nintendo Red Tent. That's my like my holy grail in my collection. And right. his he's converting to LCD screens, and people are talking shit to him. But the thing is, those screens are like three hundred bucks a piece now because they're so specialized. They're not like they're a special type of of CRT. 
And right. so, like, he's like, do I spend $600 or do I buy some LCDs that are going to look better? I can make the lag negligible and it doesn't cost me 600 fucking dollars. And so he's going that route to, to find a really cool mod way to do it. And I think it's going to turn out awesome. And he just can't afford to get it original. Like, right. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. It's hard. And and my I, thing is, I'm glad he's doing it because if my screens go out, I can't afford to fucking replace those. <laughs> you know, I wanted to ask you, man, do you think a lot of arcade games were just, just destroyed back when they just, when people thought they were worthless? You Absolutely. know what I mean? Like, well, destroyed or converted. So, I don't, converting them destroys them too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because, you know, like, say, really- like, you have aliens on the freaking floor and it's not making you any money. It's in a standard black cab. All right, well, let me just throw the next new game in there that's the same compatible board flip or the same compatible connectors, like JAMA. Just flip it out, change out the marquee, especially if it only has a black art. Done. You got a new freaking arcade game in there. Um, wow. Other ones they would paint over or, you know, paint over or ruin the freaking side art to put new side art on it. I mean, shit. You know the history of the original Donkey Kong was converted from old radar scopes. You serious? Yeah, Nintendo had this arcade game called Radar Scope, and it was in a red cabinet, and it wasn't selling well. So they, when they created Donkey Kong, they actually all the red cab Donkey Kongs are conversions from the old Radar Scope. Ah. Yeah, and then then they when they made more, they made them with that blue, that classic blue cab. That's uh. That's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, dude. It's it's nuts, man. And that's the thing too is and and why I would be really excited if we hit the freaking 15k stretch goal and we start creating an arcade chapter. And the thing is though, so say we don't hit the computer stretch goal. That shit's way too up there. Way too high up there to hit that stretch goal. Um mm-hmm. we could still create a chapter for home PCs and computers. I'm just not going to write five or six new reviews on that. I already have enough probably for a chapter. But, like, if we right. hit the stretch goal, I'm going to write about another five or six. Like, I already have a few more games I'm writing about. But, like, I'll right. just go, all right, I'm going to pick out another five or six freaking a full chapter's worth, and I will write more. That's the stretch goal. Okay. Um, but so if there's enough contributors that do arcade games, like if you do Aliens or you do freaking another game, you know, Cast Heat or something, um... I'll I'll still create the chapter. It just won't be as large as it would be. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And and the other thing is, is on the Kickstarter, that's just U.S. and North American backers. So I have like probably like seventy five percent of my supporters are international. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah. And so the fact that I limited it was only due to one thing, and that's because Kickstarter takes ten percent from my campaigns. And if you take 10% from the $65 it costs to ship a book, I'm paying out of pocket to ship a book. But yeah, and I, I, get, yeah, I get you on that, man. And if, if you're people. talking 100 freaking backers, say, for example, and it, they're taking $10 from each shipping, it costs me $1,000 out of pocket. Right. <laughs> it, gets, it gets crazy when you start dealing with, it, like, lots of backers, man. I bet, man. So, was Kickstarter the best way to to kind of promote this? With what about Indiegogo or anything else? So, to me, it seems like Indiegogo is like a step under Kickstarter. Not that it is; it just seems like it is. And in all reality, like the only reason why I use Kickstarter is for visibility. 
Kasha. Okay, Kickstarter's kind of yeah um, made a name for itself. So yeah, and it's know. like somebody said said it perfectly. It's like Kickstarter's kind of like eBay now, the new eBay for for new projects. Right, like, right. Like everybody uses it. It's cool. Um, I got no problem using it. It's pretty awesome. I mean, um, I, I, it, it really went mainstream, especially when Shenmue Three got announced. Yep. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah it was what with Shenmue and um, Mighty Number no. Nine and Bloodstained and all Mighty Number no. Nine. Hell yeah, <laughs> dude, that was freaking horrible train wreck. Man, now, now I've heard that not... I heard that Bloodstained, not not the retro one that's fucking amazing, but. Right. But the Bloodstained game itself, I heard there's a lot of issues with it. Some of the um, really high tier got a beta, and I saw posts like they're not happy with it. Like yeah. it, it doesn't run well, not nothing. Maybe the console ones will be fixed, but like the beta is, runs pretty bad. So hopefully they're just going to use all this feedback to fix it up. I think I don't think that I think I, they're pretty smart though. I think they'll make sure they fix it before they release it. So <laughs> you would think. <laughs> don't I mean? Don't, I mean, they better not. I, hopefully, they will learn from what happened with Mighty Number no. Nine the way that came out, man. Jesus. Seriously, I like the game. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just. I I think I was able to like it more because I wasn't a backer. To be honest, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, no, I was. The, I, got, I was a backer on Mighty Number no. Nine. Um, and I don't. I see the complaints. I don't give a shit about the complaints. The game right. itself, though, to me, is just a little bit of a miss. Like, there's a little bit of um flow that doesn't work well. Right, right. That's it. It, uh, uh, what was I going to say? You know, uh, I think I got my game before a lot of backers got theirs, which is, was kind of yep. weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, I, they're, they're still going, they're still trying to finish things up with that. I think they finally announced the cancellation of 3DS and, uh, the Vita versions are, <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. But, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Kickstarter, so Kickstarter so seems pretty cool, so you know. But uh, hopefully, Bloodstain will will hopefully they'll they'll fix the issues. I'm I'm sure they will. I mean, it's a different company, um, and they've already shown with the retro one that they could do killer with it, and hopefully they do a physical version of that retro one. So That's what I was gonna say next, man. Oh my if, god, if it's a physical. Oh man, that'd be great because people are telling me, oh my god, Reggie, this is the true sequel to Castlevania three. It is, and I. And I played it. I was like, "Oh my god, dude, you're right, dude. This is crazy." It and you could play game. through it four times differently. See, I like that kind of stuff, man. Yeah. Indie Crates did a great job of making this game. I heard Indie, Indie Crates, I believe, was the ones that developed this game. Yeah, that's so, um, uh, and a- the guy who's always uh, hanging out at conventions, Matt Papa, he's freaking awesome, dude. Like, he actually works with localization team on that shit. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, he lives there out in go. Japan, but he comes out here for conventions. Like, I I usually see him at too many games, but. I couldn't go this year, but I live in Tejas now. But dude, I, I, too many games. So yeah, I I I heard about it before, but then I, I started hearing about it more because I was in Canada recently for the Vancouver Retro Gaming Expo. Yeah, and I kept getting messages. Hey, Reggie, are you here at too many games? Like too many games? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm here at too many games. I just mm-hmm. and he said I just saw your game here, like the Reggie's Radical Adventures. Yep. I said, wow, so this convention is going on the same week as the Vancouver Retro Gaming Expo. Dude, that's the thing that blows my mind is that there's so many conventions now that they're overlapping. Um, yeah. The, the next one I'm going to is Classic Game Fest in Texas, and there's three in Texas that weekend. Like Retropalooza, Houston, Classic Game Fest, which is the biggest one in Texas, the biggest retro right. gaming one. And then Let's Play, which is ran by my buddy uh, Christian Dietering. So, like Ferris Bueller on Nintendo Age, like really cool dude. And they're all three in the same weekend. And I didn't know. I already committed to Classic Game Fest. And then Christian's like, you coming to 
to Let's Play, and I'm like, yeah, when is it? And he said the date. I'm like, shit, I'm already committed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's crazy. And, like, I just can't believe that they're doing so many conventions nowadays. Yeah, man, these conventions are, are pretty big because, you know, we we're, our, the retro video game is, is a niche market. So, yeah. you know, people are getting back into it, especially with the way modern games are going. You know, with uh, of course, we know that physical games are possibly going to go away. I mean, they're trying to they're trying to get rid of them. I mean, they're trying to phase <laughs> them out slowly. Yeah. But, uh, and a yeah. lot of us, this uh, DLC type stuff that's like microtransactions is kind of killing the video game market, at least in my opinion. You know, a lot of people are going back to retro where games are just simple. You got the whole game. You know, you know, you just you knew you had something that that you could treasure. Yep. Well, you know what my thoughts are on that, right? No, let, tell me your thoughts, man. Yeah. So, so, so my thoughts are: I think mainstream 100% is trying its hardest to move toward digital to cut costs. The problem is, is that we are a pretty vocal minority, and the niche collectors we still want our physical. And Nintendo heard brought back cards, and now it's getting pretty crazy with physical. Um. But I think that it will forever stay a physical market until our generation peters out and the next generation isn't the same. If they happen to be the same with their nostalgia, it'll continue on. And the other thing that's really cool is within the last couple years, we've been able to, at a small amount, create professionally done products. So, for example, I mean, I've I released a freaking NES game that looks like a freaking like it like an NES game, like it's like it's part of the NES library, and I am you know a hobbyist. So, if a hobbyist can release stuff that's professional, physical is going to stay alive. It just won't be mainstream, and it won't be in the millions. It'll be crazier for collectors where there's like, oh, there's only a hundred copies of this game, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and there's thousands of collectors. Like. Well, it's yeah, yeah, dude. Like, but it's important to treat our the next generation like to kind of like teach them how, how valuable having mm-hmm. the physical is. You know what I mean? So, as long as the, the next generation is properly like you know shown mm-hmm. why it's good to have a physical game, you know, I think it'll live on. You know, uh, one reason, you know, well, one big reason why I'm, I want physical because, uh, well, you know, it's just like if a game is digital only. It feels like it doesn't have any essence, like it doesn't really exist. If that makes any sense, like you know what I mean? Like they can well, take it away at any time. I call it the but... Scott Pilgrim controversy because ah, it won't exist. It won't exist. Thank you, man. Scott Pilgrim was a definitely an awesome game that got taken away from us, and it's so sad yeah. that it did, man. Because that was a fantastic game. Now, uh, now I were... do have trust in the. Um, OCD-ness of hackers in the future and when we can properly emulate those newer systems on a computer, we will be able to play it. They will be able to hack it to where we can play digital games like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World on the Xbox 360. Right. But right now, we can't. We can't. <laughs> it's gone. You know what was funny? I, I had the game, so me and my, my old friend shared an account, and uh, he had Scott Pilgrim on his account, and on my account, I had the DLC for it, so we just kind of combined everything. We would like buy games and we shared accounts so we could play these games like and i lost his account so now i can't play the game but i have the dlc for it still Damn. so it's like dude man and the, the, the creator of the series is trying to bring the series back you know he's running through licensing issues through the music 
he's trying, but he's been trying for the last two years, and it's a headache. And, yeah, uh, and the thing is, is if they would have put that on a disc, we could still play it. Exactly. Disc exactly. costs no nothing. problem. <laughs> I, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but for, for those of you who would like to play a game as similar to Scott Pilgrim, there's a game called 99 Vedas out there. Uh, it's a beat em up just like it. It's for a player. It's pretty awesome. And I I played it a, a couple of times on my channel. But uh, yeah. It's called 90, 99 it. Betas? Betas? Betas or Betas? I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Betas. Yeah, it might be Betas. Okay. And it mean, it, what it stands for is it means in translation 99, 99 lives. Yeah. So it's arcade beat em up. A lot of fun. Sweet. And is it kind of like Castle Crashers? It's more like Scott Pilgrim. More like Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> yeah, which is maybe, which is a tribute to River City Ransom. Exactly. Yeah, it plays like you could see all the tropes in the game. Like uh, it has like a reference to Streets of Rage in the game. Really. Uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim, River City Ransom, all any fighting game you can remember is referenced in this game, which is hilarious. And that's fun. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, seriously, a cool game. I mean, a physical copy was going for it was sold for I think for thirty dollars from a strictly limited. Which system? And, it's for a PS. It's well, uh, for physicals on PS4 only. A PS4 and in and in a, in a, in a PlayStation Vita okay. only. So you uh, know but, that those systems are going to be a nightmare to collect for in the future, right? Oh yeah, I know. I mean, I like, like Xbox One is going to be easy, but because of the openness of the distribution and limited run games and shit like that, like PS4 and PS Vita are going to be a nightmare. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not a completionist, man. I just get what I want. Yeah, good that, to go. You and me are in the same boat, brother. Like I, I literally only buy the shit that I really think I'm gonna dig. Like, right. and some of the shit I post online, you see, it's crazy looking. Anyways, like, <laughs> fucking, what was it this last week? Inferno on the MSX2. That's a homebrew cartridge released by a guy out overseas in Japan. Um, a guy who speaks speaks English over in Japan, and it's like a beat 'em up, like freaking Rastan or something, like a like a action adventure <laughs> rip, <laughs> rip off enemies arms and use it as freaking like weapons and it it's like a nintendo style game though yeah <laughs> like dude so I, dude i wanted to ask you so uh you know uh, a few months ago i went on i went on jason's channel and we did the hidden gems videos yeah and uh we did a ps2 one because we haven't done that one you know and i picked some games out and mm-hmm. Jason saw the games. He's like, oh, my God, these games are so cool, man. So we did the video. And, oh, my God, I had never seen this happen before. At least I maybe I haven't noticed it before. But people bought those games up immediately. But the people didn't didn't buy the games up within, like, the first day of the video. Uh, the, the sellers raised the prices up for the games. And, you know, something. Damn you, did- radical. <laughs> I know, right? So, so most most of them bid, did the bid thing, and people kept bidding for the game because they really yeah. want it. But me and Jason got hit hard with us. We're raising the price in video games. And I was like, hell yeah, you are. I was like, no way, man. I mean, we're bringing attention to it. I mean, no, no, no. Here's the thing, okay? <laughs> so... Are you? Did you at that time raise the price of the game? Sure, because yeah. your channel's popular. The fucking games are amazing, and people didn't know about it. Now you have a thousands of eyes. I don't know how many hits does he get on a video like that. Ten thousand, twenty thousand. Yeah, yeah, like so, hundred thousand. So, so, so think about all those eyes getting on a game that nobody knew about, and all of a sudden, when it's trickling out there, one or two a month, 
and nobody knew about it. Now all of a sudden, thousands of people want it. It gets sold, and then the price raises. That's a very temporary thing. Um, yes. It's gonna it's gonna even right back out. But if you want it right after seeing that video, you're like, God damn it, Reggie! <laughs> like, yeah. like, damn yeah, it, Reggie! Why'd you have to talk really about freaking chaos, bro? <laughs> It's funny though, because I like I, when we talk about these games. I'm like, why don't you guys blame the sellers, man? Just put your foot down and don't buy it. Because as soon as the, the sales stop, these guys will drop the prices down. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? They go right people back. Are, I just wish people understood that you know we're we're our, we have a niche thing with uh, when we talk about retro games. Yeah. Not a lot of people are selling them like they were before when they were in mainstream stores. So there could be like <laughs> maybe ten online or maybe 20, 10, 20 online. And the games and that are it. truly rare, though, like. Those ones you might have got lucky getting that shit cheap, and just the seller didn't know. Well, now the seller knows it's cool. They're gonna bump the price up a little bit. Um, oh yeah, that's just reseller one hundred and one though. They're gonna do that shit. I mean, it is what it is. It's like, yeah, just that's why like anything. you know that there's hidden gaming gems out there. You gotta do some fucking research, people. Like right, like for start real. Looking. Like start looking, start playing everything. I mean, with me with my col- my collector books, I play every fucking game. I found thousands of hidden gaming gems out there just for nes and super nintendo when you jump into famicom and super famicom like mm-hmm. it, gets, it gets crazy and you know it's there's stuff out there that i never even knew about and i'm playing i'm like oh my god this is amazing and that's why i do these books man it's just surely like i'm loving getting so intimate with all these systems seriously man i uh i just recently found out about two other games actually one i knew about but i never played it but uh, one of my friends sent me PsyOps for PS2. Oh, I mean, yeah. And, uh, that's a classic. Dude, I never played it. I thought I was just, I was ETS and out of the military when this game came out. Like, I was going through, oh. going through all that stuff. And it and looks remember, like a, it looks like a freaking typical garbage game that came out at the time. But it's not. No, no. no <laughs> I thought it actually looked cool because it was showing the commercial for it on TV and on YouTube. Or on, yeah, on the internet, on GameSpot. They would show the commercial for it. Yeah. It looked hella cool. Like, you, you could use these psychic powers and you got a gun and all that stuff mm-hmm. but i never played it and now it was sent to me and i, I was playing it matter of fact the playstation is still on with the game paused and, <laughs> uh, and it was a lot of fun man i was like oh Hell my yeah. god i can't believe i haven't played this so i'm gonna beat this game maybe today maybe tomorrow and they sent me another one called cold winter which i haven't played yet cold winter but yeah it looks mm-hmm. like it used to be online by sierra yeah uh, published by sierra and uh, developed by Swordfish Studios. So I don't know if you Dude. guys have heard of them. And the thing that's really cool, too, is that, like, as you know, like, my ge- my generation that I hover to is 8 and 16-bit. You're all about that 64 or 32-bit all the way up to, like, PS2 and stuff like that, which is... Yeah, man. Fifth like, and sixth generations are my favorites. And the thing is, I love that stuff. Um not as much the fifth as much as you would think like more the sixth but like there's so many games that were released during that time frame that there's so much out there that's untapped like people could bitch about you raising the price on a game or two but it's like dude there's still thousands out there yeah yeah definitely they just gotta know how to look and and it really depends on your on how much money you want to spend on the game what it's worth to you you know what i mean true you know if you if you got the money to spend you're not gonna really care you're just gonna buy the game and be happy you have it Everybody's so fixated on getting games for extremely cheap, you know what I mean, these days. <laughs> and, there, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it, but you have to think, like, not everything, you're not going to find everything cheap. If people want to make profit off of what they have because they could be trying to feed their family or doing whatever they do, you know what I mean? So do whatever they do. They're not going to want to give you 
things for everything on pit for pennies. You know what I mean? So that's well, just the way it is. And I like doing trades and stuff too, but um, I mean I've honed my collection down now because as I you know mentioned, I move every so often. So like everything I have is like shit that I like, and I'll pay mm -hmm. for the going rate for for game if I want it. Like if it's a cool yeah. thing. And you, but the thing is, I need nothing. I don't need anything. So my th I'll find something really cool and I'll pick it up, and it'll be cheap for me, like twenty bucks or so. Um, yep. I just got four MSX games coming um, for like thirty bucks a piece. Nice, dude. Yeah, and, nice. and I'm talking about Ease games and Dragon Slayer games, which are awesome action RPGs. But like, it's gonna be a pure version of them, and there's not much text in those. So, <laughs> love it. you know, and, and that's another thing too. I mean, emulation is a good option for people too. They think exactly. it's bad. No, you don't have to have a physical copy of these older games. You know, if it costs too much for you, man, there's still a way to play these games. I always try to tell people that. Even the PlayStation Two, even the PlayStation Two has an amazing emulator on modern PCs. It does, man. It puts games in high quality too. Yeah, I used to emulate a lot before. You know, I got a lot of my games. You know what I mean? Like, uh, mainly with the Game Boy Advance. Uh, I used to emulate with that because I didn't have a big Game Boy Advance collection. Yeah, but I was playing the games like that, and then eventually I went out and bought them when I could, if I found them for a good price. So emulation is a great option, especially if you want to save room but still have the games to play. Well, and as I mentioned, the EverDrives, like, so then you can play every Game Boy Advance game, and you can use it also as a way to find hidden gaming gems that you might yes. want to play. Exactly, exactly. Very and then you, then well you pick said, up bro. the cool shit that you want. Like, and yep. and to me, it's like I like the total package now. I don't buy card only or cd only games anymore at all period even if i find them i don't get them um unless i know i can get the box or something pretty cheap because yeah, yeah. because like seriously i like the artwork about it i like the packaging it's all the history of it um i also stopped removing uh price stickers from the back of cartridges and stuff on the front i want the front unobscured but the backs i'll leave the history on it like if it has a toys r us sticker or something like that that's pretty cool so uh, hmm. it's a different aspect because if we're removing that, that's a piece of history too. Old video game rental store that used to exist or something. Really? I, I, weird. I couldn't stand that stuff, man. I would try to peel it off immediately. Dude, that was me for years. <laughs> but as I'm getting older, it's like, like on the back, like I hate GameStop stickers. That was always a freaking thing. Um, but like on the back of it, as long as it's not obscuring something important, mm -hmm. like I like back of an NES cartridge, for example, just gray. It has a sticker of an old rental store on the back or something. That's kind of cool that that knowing that that store existed because some of that there's no real documentation on the stores. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird aspect, man, and I know I'm in the minority for sure with with the back. The front though, yeah, it has to be unobstructed. I want stuff to look nice, of course. Um, you know, it's yeah. you know it's funny. Now Toys R Us is out of business. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I had one of their uh, exclusive. Uh, Game Boy Advance systems in box. Nice. It came in this weird box. I, I forgot everything it came with it, but it was exclusive. Now I'm looking at that thing. That thing's going to be sought after now, but I sold it a couple years ago to my local <sighs> game store. So I'm like, oh, man. I was like, that as, soon, cool as soon as you talk about it on Metal Jesus' channel, shit. <laughs> I know, right? Dude, I, Dude. I, I'm very. Here, here's, here's a funny thing. It's though, real, so. though. I'm very cautious now when I go on Jason's channel because. Yeah. Uh, when I talk about games, because what I do is I know what games I'm going to talk about first, and I'll let all my, I'll let all my friends know, hey, these are the games I'm going to talk about, and 
and so they know because some of my friends get mad at me because they don't want to pay the prices that, when games go up if they miss them. So I let them know. They decide what they're going to get. And one time, here's a funny story. So there's this game for the DS called Windy, Windy X Wingdom. It's yeah. a, it came out exclusively online only for the uh, DS. And it's a 2D fighting game. Like meant to be only strictly 2D. 2D sprites and everything. Hand drawn. And I found out about it. So I went on Amazon. The game was selling for $10. Alright? So I said, you know what? I bought 10 of them. I bought 10 of them. I gave them out to friends and everything. Hey, I'm going to talk about this game, so you won't be complaining. Because I knew they would like the game, so I, I made sure I gave them out to everybody. I gave, yeah. uh, I gave Riggs one. Uh, and every, Just pretty much everybody. I went on Jason's channel. Uh, well, no, I actually talked about it on my channel. And, uh, man, that game sold out, man. I mean, they bought everybody bought the game up. But not only were they buying them up, these people were keeping them. You weren't even seeing them on sale anymore. No, so, yeah. Yeah, people were actually keeping them, which was great. And and that's the other thing is is people like that do not do YouTube channels always wonder why people get sent games or like publishers and new <clears throat> game distributors send y'all games. It's because when you talk about shit, people buy it. That's exactly one hundred one. Yep. Like, why the mm -hmm. hell would they not send you a game, their newest thing? If it's if it's cool, you're gonna talk about it, and then people are gonna want it. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot when I, especially when I bring up stuff, man. Like people like want that game immediately. Like in my videos, sometimes I, I do like dialogue talking where I just like have a game going on in the background, like multiple games. Yeah. And even when I'm talking, people like in the comments, "What game was that, Reggie? I want it. What game was? You know what I mean? They want it. They want to buy it. I'm like, wow, dude. So now I started listening to games I actually put in the backgrounds of my videos. Well, but, it's because you got a good knack of picking out some cool shit too that's the thing yeah like, you got it you got a yeah. rep you got a reputation <laughs> <laughs> reputation <laughs> i know right? I, I gotta uphold it man uh you know what's funny me and jason did a horror games uh, video survival horror games video yeah. in that video i decided to put some games on there that people i know people like kind of like didn't really like because of certain issues but i stuck by my guns with them and people that actually ended up liking a game on the uh, Wait, what, PS3 what was, what, what and was the game called? It was called Amy. 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 Okay, yeah, because your mic broke up for a second there. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh no, you're good. Uh, Amy is a survival horror game where a woman is trying to protect a child uh, that has special needs from government agents that are trying to like kidnap her and do experiments on her. Okay. So it's like a mother daughter. It's like a mother trying to protect her daughter type deal. And that game got panned. It got panned so bad that the developer almost lost their company just because of that game. But I found out some cool things about the game that I like. That I say, hey, this game is a, is a hidden gem. You should try it out. And um, people gave me heck for it, but some a lot a lot more people say, hey, Reggie, you're right about this game. I actually like it. So that made me feel good. So I, I risk it with some games sometimes too, you know. But you know, <laughs> if I feel good about the game, if I, if I could find a couple of good issues about the game. Or at least see what the developer was trying to do with the game. I I could still end up liking the game, even though the game might not be that good. You know what I mean? Well, that's the uh, glass half full mentality, and I, I'm the same <laughs> way. I'm the same way where I'll look past some major faults if I like if something connects with me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so some people like they just they can't get past a certain thing, and it's like oh I still like it. I mean it's Double Dragon Four for example. I love Double Dragon Four. Me too. 
And people hate it. And I'm like, why do you hate it? It's a complete tribute to Double Dragon 2, which is like one of my favorite games on the NES. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's literally just a spiritual successor to, successor to that game. Right. Like, it's really cool. And people just dog it that it's not like a progressing the the series and i'm like well that's what double dragon neon did yep like, this is just a tri- an 8-bit tribute like stop by the way that game needs a physical <laughs> um that game got a limited run in an nes style box for the ps4 the, P- the double dragon 4 did right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was talking about the double dragon neon though that needs a physical oh release. neon yeah yeah, yeah, that four did, and I didn't get a copy of the the NES box one. I'm disappointed. I was driving. Oh, man. I was driving to a convention, and I didn't get it. Really, man, it's, it's funny with those those box versions, man. I kind of stopped looking for that stuff because I, I'm running out of room with my special edition boxes and everything. They're like, oh, they're like kind of like all over the place in my game room. So I started like getting just the regular editions. Yeah, well, but, that one was like an NES style, which is why. I ah, so it was nostalgic in that way. I got Hell you. Hell yeah, it was like, <laughs> like that. But, that one, and I think they did a River City Ransom Underground, both in NES boxes, the same the same release week, and I missed them because I was driving to a convention. You know what? Going back to Double Dragon Four, man, yeah. I totally agree with you about that game. It's it's actually better than Double Dragon Two in a way. You know, uh, it. I would say. The story, the storyline, because I follow the story of the games, was a bit cheesy oh, compared to Double Dragon shit. Two. Like, I mean, the final bosses didn't really—I don't know—they felt like they didn't really have a reason to like to mess with the Double Dragons. But no. anyways, <laughs> I, I mean, they had this car from Road Blasters at the beginning, which was badass. That was cool. I like that. That was cool. But uh, it, it really is cool how they did Double Dragon Four, and a lot of people think Double Super Double Dragon is a Double Dragon 4 when it was not. You know, it was just kind of like a remake of the first couple of games, I guess, or whatever it was. But uh, I'm happy that Well, the reason why people say it's Double Dragon 4, Super Double Dragon, is because Double Dragon 5 came out after it. (laughs) Oh, man, I know. And Double Dragon 5 is the game we don't talk about, man, because I still haven't played it to this day. I don't think I ever will. It's just a fighting game. It's, It's like, it's not as bad as Shaq Fu, so... It's based off the cartoon, though, which Correct. was weird. Yep. It's based off know. that weird-ass cartoon. And, I mean, yeah. I, that intro song was stuck in my head for years, man. It was horrible. I was like, ugh, oh, trying to get no. it out of my... <laughs> yeah, dude. Because I, I used to watch the Saturday morning cartoons, and that used to come on, like, oh, I used to turn the channel when that came <laughs> on. Like, dude, can't watch this, man. But anyways, about Double Dragon, I'm had it. It got a, a release like that. I hope they make another Double Dragon game. Uh, like that, or maybe upgrade great graphics. My favorite Double Dragon game of all time is actually Double Dragon 2, the arcade game. Arcade uh, game, nice. Yeah, not a lot of people say that. And a lot, of, a lot, of, not a lot of people have played that game. Yeah, Double Dragon yeah. 2 crazy. was pretty brutal, especially seeing it as I, that guy. I was like eight years old when I saw that game. Yeah. In the first game, you know, the guys come up, punch the girl, kidnap her at the end of the game. I mean, kidnap her in the beginning of the game, and then at the end, you rescue her. Mm-hmm. Double Dragon 2. Man, they pull out a machine gun and gun her down in the streets. They, they kill her. They kill her. And, you know, me as a kid seeing it, I was like, whoa, what the heck? So I was like, it was shocking to me. Yeah. So I'm thinking at the end of the game that you're, you know, you're going to rescue her or somehow save her. But no, man, the only thing you get at the end of Double Dragon 2 revenge. is a, a, a Polaroid of revenge. Yep. And a Polaroid picture of the past of you and of the girl hanging out. And <laughs> that's it. And that was my first 
like that was my first like uh, reality check of how things really go. You know, people when people die, that's it. So that's you know, you know, man, um, that was crazy. You know that there's two home ports of it of the arcade game that are pretty solid. Um, there's a PC Engine CD release in Japan of um, I saw that. Double Dragon Two, and then there's a Mega Drive Japanese version. Because on, on the Genesis, there was only one in three in the arcade released in the U.S. Two was only right. in Japan. So, I mean, they're solid, though. Like, they're both yeah. good. They're not as good as the arcade, but they're they're solid ports. I have the uh, I have the port of uh, the, the Mega Drive one on, on Genesis. Yeah. And I have the... I, I, I want to get the PC Engine one, because that one, they had animated cutscenes to it. Yes. Which are pretty and cool. They're so. really cool. And um, the artwork on that CD case is, is really cool. Man, dude, all this Double Dragon talk is making me want to play it again. <laughs> You're gonna be playing like 20 games after we get done chatting today. It's just dude. how it is. <laughs> just how it is, man. Um, seriously. One thing is, you were talking about the Metal Jesus channel, and it was it was an ironic thing when um Riggs uh took on Black Box Challenge and onto the Homebrew episode. And the irony was, is I only made a very limited amount of those games, the NES game. And, it's, uh-huh. and, you know, it's an RPG where you collect Nintendo games in the game. And then right. you play mini games based on the games within the game. Like, it's crazy shit. And it's an RPG, and all the mini games are based on their genre. And the the irony was is that I want to say, like, two days before that episode went live, I sold out. Damn. <laughs> and then, serious? And then the Metal Jesus chat hits, and there's 100,000 people that want it. And I'm getting, like, bombarded with me- You making more? You making more? I'm like, well, <laughs> here is the link to the, like, because what happened was after I made my version, the developer took my name off the game, because it's Jeffrey Wittnagen's Black Box Challenge. He took my name off the game, did a uh-huh. card only with a white label. And I don't know if he did it because he was just fed up with, you know, having to do something on a deadline or just wanted to move the association away from my name for some reason. I don't know. But um, but basically, like, he took the art away, which was, like, the selling point. Like, because it's by the Garbage Pail Kids guy. Like, it looks awesome. Um, And so it was just funny, though. Like, so nobody wanted that version. They all wanted the version Riggs has. <laughs> and I'm like, so talking about that though, and this is off of this podcast, is I might be doing a video later or something. I have six boards left of the game, and the, really, it's a custom board. Like shit doesn't work in emulators. Um, I got it to work on a Raspberry Pi, but the the menus don't work. Oh, not the menu, the intro screen doesn't work, but the game. Uh. Works. So, but like, so it's not going to work digitally. So it only works in an NES and it doesn't work in clone NESs. So. <laughs> oh, wow. This so, is pretty original. It's original. It's original because it uses a weird ass mapper and he programmed the game across the mapper. So, so it won't even work on non-consoles. But, um, but yeah, I have six copies and one copy is going to Joe Simcoe who did the artwork because I forgot to get him a copy. And I'm like. Well, let me see how many boards I have, and I have six, so I'm like, shit. So I got five copies that I'm gonna be putting online. I don't know where, because <laughs> you figure it out. Because <laughs> people are gonna go crazy, and I want to make sure everybody has a, an, you know, an even playing field to get it. And it's gonna be CIB, like not a card only. I have boxes, manuals, everything. Very nice, man. Very yeah. nice. Hey, so I wanted to ask you about this. There is a prototype game out there of Shadowhawk. Have you heard of it? 
Shadowhawk, yes. Um, and, and I heard about that there was a reproduction version of Shadowhawk that came out and used artwork from the comic book, and the comic book creator sued him, and they had to take it down. It's kind of what killed that whole company. Pretty crazy. Right. Pretty crazy. That uh, game is worth a th- about around a thousand bucks complete. Yes. And uh, a friend of mine showed it to me and said, "Hey, Reggie, I, I got this. Do you know what it's worth?" And I'm like, "Dude, yeah, <laughs> you have this. This is insane." Hell yeah! So I told him what the history was about it, and you know, he was surprised because he didn't know anything about it. He said, "I've been sitting on this. this I don't know what this is." Yeah, and a copy of it. I know, right? And I think the prototype was pretty much almost finished, right? Um, yeah, it was. It was in pretty workable condition i'm not sure if the guys who released it on the cartridge finished it up or not because sometimes they do that some companies right right um, i'm not sure if they finished it up or if it was a finishable i don't know everybody's suing everybody when you don't go through the proper channels i guess man it's pretty crazy well and that's you know? the, that's an ip type deal and it's like with my books i just contact everybody and ask if it's cool if it's not cool i just change out the image like there you go too easy and, yeah, too easy. And if somebody sees something later and they're they're mad that it's in there later, then I'll, I'll remove it from subsequent printings. Like, whatever. There you go, man. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, with Shadowhawk, that was nuts, dude. Yeah, man. I was like, dang, I can't believe it. Because I used to re- I used to read briefly read the comic book back in high school, uh, the first Shadowhawk series, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. But I didn't really get into it. But you know, Image was more kind of new back then. Yeah. Uh, Image Comics, they were like around five years old, so I was still get, getting used to some of their heroes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was surprised about that, man. Like, wow, like that game came out for it for Super Nintendo and they never finished it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Super Nintendo prototypes out there that weren't finished that were like, uh, that, that were never were released, which is pretty crazy. Well, so, well, you've read about it in, in the definitive SNES. Like, in, in yep. the, and actually, it's in the first version, too. So, yeah. Um, I know the definitive SNES, um, you guys don't have it yet, all the contributors, um, because we had the, you were tracking the spine issue and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so like basically when my warehouse got the book, there's no glue on the spine of any of the covers. So the, like ah. certain people would open it up and it would fall apart type deal. Like it would just fall oh, out okay. of it. Because it's, cause it's yeah. a 630 page book, it's huge. So <laughs> like, so basically... Uh, the printing company's reprinting it. That'll be in my warehouse in a couple weeks. It should be soon now. Shit, it's been like four weeks now. Um, and then cool, I'm paying, man. I'm paying out of pocket to get the remainder uh, fixed. So they're gonna, I'm, I have a company that's gonna add glue to it. Um, okay. So I mean, the thing is though, that's crazy, is that I shipped out, and as I mentioned earlier, I have a lot of international backers. That cost me like, I think eight grand. Woo! Just shipping. Nah, book cost just shipping. Yeah, and I gotta uh, reship uh, them all. <laughs> man, dude, that's like yeah, you gotta make. Ooh, eight no, grand. I have to take out a business loan because, like, I was like, man, if this hidden gaming gems thing goes crazy, um, cool, and then I'll be able to like somewhat dig myself out of this shipping hole because that's that's the thing people don't realize like with these projects, like shit gets crazy when you start multiplying it, and just that shipping itself. I only charged I charged half of what it cost for shipping for international because I had a distributor in Europe. The distributor kind of fell through, um, so then now I got to pay full price for shipping. So yeah. like, and I didn't have the money for those, and Kickstarter took out money, so it was like, dude, it was 
it's a lot of money in the hole. I bet, man. Jeez. So like that's I'm gonna I'm simplifying shit going forward a little bit, just because. Um, I'm right. Gonna, I'll, I'll dig myself out of that. It's like twenty grand hole, pretty much. <laughs> like, like <laughs> Jesus Christ, twenty grand hole. <laughs> Luckily, this ain't my business that I feed my family with. Luckily, it's just a hobby. Cause I heard that, man. Like, cause I, I can take that. out like you know a, a business loan and pay it per month. Cause I, I people buy my books, which is awesome. I appreciate it, and you know it's it's I sell enough to to cover a, a loan payment. But like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go to some mm-hmm. conventions because every time I go to conventions, I sell out of books, and that'll help me pay that shit off. I hear you, man. So uh, last time I saw you was actually at the 2016 PRGE convention. Yep. And uh, man, that convention was a blast, dude. Uh, Hell yeah, dude! It, it was so much stuff going on in that convention. Like I remember, like seeing everybody, seeing you. You were over there selling the books and promoting the books and everything. And wait, wait a minute, I just remember we actually did a panel together on there. Which uh, was... we did a panel together. Yes, we did. Oh my god! I just totally forgot that. Like it just the memory just came to my mind. And you stole now. my and you stole my prototype of my Super Nintendo book. <laughs> I did. I did. You said, Reggie, you want this one? I was like, heck yeah, that's the prototype, man. Oh, I didn't ask. You just took, Reggie. You just took. You took. I know. I, 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 <laughs> you I violated you. me. I got you. I got you that, that cup of coffee, man. The, the buttery oh, yeah, up. You, so. <laughs> hey, man. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> no it was like it was cool because the thing is is people do want my um my actual print my advanced copies of books and right. i had a guy who contacted me with this new one and basically how i'm making shit right is i'm giving him copies of like older stuff like especially with the international shipping that went up like mm-hmm. I, the backers actually gave me most of them gave me the money to make it square uh, but uh, but I had to give them like I think I gave them either they could write my next my hidden gaming gems book or I give them a copy of the NES oddities or something like that for free with it, which you know it's crazy. But like one guy's like, hey dude, I want could I get a copy of your complete NES? And I'm like, all I got is this weird ass first version from a different printing company that the covers looks a little different on the spine. He's like, dude, I want that. <laughs> nice dude, all yeah. right. So I mean, yeah. the thing is, though, is I don't have a whole lot of those sitting around anymore. Um, right. But like, and when I'm sold out of, I'm sold out of. Like that first print, first and second print run of the complete SNES were gone a long time ago. That, yeah. That's why the definitive's a <laughs> thing. And when I do the complete NES again, you know, years down the line, it's going to be different. It's going to be bigger, probably, with the new style that I do with the Genesis right. and Super Nintendo, like just bigger art and. It would be cool. And, yeah, yeah, like, that Portland in 2016 was awesome. I heard 2017 wasn't wasn't as cool. I don't know why. Uh, it, it, 2017, well, a couple of things happened. It was still cool, just as cool as 2016. But a couple of guests weren't there, like yourself and a couple of other ones. And then, like, uh, we had this, uh, what was it? It was the... Uh, the auction, which everybody gets excited for. Yeah. The the auction went on a little bit longer than it needed to, but it was still cool though. But I don't know, man. Maybe people are just getting, getting slightly, are getting their collections fulfilled to what they want it to be, and you know maybe people can make it out this year. I don't know. But well, I all did... I know is I'm out there this year. You are? <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm coming out this year. All right, man. I got I'm no, I got it. no, um, I no, I mean I got a table and everything. Like uh, Rick, who runs the convention, I was like, dude. I'm going to be in training. I'm moving to a new area, so I got to make sure I can get, you know, leave and vacation. 
and it's like, can you hold it so that way, you know, I I want to come, but I have to make sure I can get, you know, get off. To, to right. Get. Okay. And so Rick held it on to me, and I I paid for my table like like months later in February, once I knew I could get freaking leave. And you so know, I'm, so I'm out there. And the only thing is, I have no logistics plan. I don't have a room. I don't have anything. And I'm and everybody there, like we all get our tables. Cause right. that's just how you do it at PRGE. Like, there's no like craziness of like guest spots except for panels. <laughs> you know, this year at PRG and last year it happened mostly too. I didn't really uh, like uh, do too much shopping. I was mostly hanging with friends, which yeah. was nice. Uh, I'm gonna make sure I do that from now on because the other years, you know, obviously you're hunting for games and everything, trying to get the, the best deals or whatever you can before you know it gets too crazy. But now, you know, I mean, and I've known this before, it's really about, like, hanging with people like yourself and, you know, that can get down there from far away because it's not like we get to, like, hang out, like, like that much, you know what I mean, because you live so far away. So that's our one time to actually hang out and chill yeah. and do all that kind of stuff. And that's that's why one, one of the reasons why that, that event is so important to me. I mean, you got people coming around all over the United States, hell, even all over the world yep. to come to this event that you can finally get to hang with and talk to. So. Man, when I hit the floor, I'm going to hang out with people, you know, well, talk and, with them. And unlike 2016, where I was at like 13 or 14 conventions, I'm only at four this year. And I did Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee. Um, and then I got Classic Game Fest, Game On with Gamester, which is like a couple weeks after that. And then Portland. Right. And then Portland. That's it. Portland, like, so yeah. That's the last one. That's all so. I can afford to do this year. And, you know, this is like one of those things where – you know, as I said, I'm in the hole, so. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. I yeah. hear you. It's, so, it's yeah. all good, though, because it's fun. And the thing is, is that in the hole isn't necessarily as crazy as it sounds because, you know, it's all crowdfunded, too. So it's due to the <laughs> awesomeness of backers, I'm able to make it a thing. So Exactly. I'm going to still do them, like, might as well. Yeah, right. exactly, man. The time and effects everybody... family, that's when I got scaled back. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You're yeah. right. Well said, man. Exactly. But this uh, this type of event, man, is really like I don't know, man. It's been amazing to be a part of something like this, and I've met so many great people like yourself. Uh, you know, I just met a lot of great fans of the channel. This is really a heartwarming event for me to go to. I haven't, I've been going to these to this to the PRG event since 2011. Damn, that was my first one, and I went every year. And it's crazy now. Now I'm actually like a guest on on panels now, you know, which is insane. Yeah. You know, you're like, whoa, okay. Like, I don't wow, even know if I have a panel lined up this year or not. I haven't really talked with Rick about it. Um, probably means no. Because <laughs> he's, he's, probably, he's probably booked. I'm just saying, like, he gets booked. Like, I know, man. Even though I feel like it was yesterday, like, almost, you know, the last PRG, man, now we have the new one coming up. So it's like time goes, like, fast. So, uh well, and, and as you, you know, during the weekdays, I got no time. And on the weekends, I'm working on books or playing games. So it's like, I don't, I don't have time to remember who to contact about shit. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I hear you, man. Like a busy week, man. I can't wait. I, I, I'm really trying to get back into playing video games again, like more. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like when I, I did a YouTube channel. And that takes up so much time editing a proper video for people to watch and enjoy. And I do two a week. You know, it's taxing. Dude, that's ridiculous that you're doing that much. That's I've been I've been doing it for a year now and uh you know, and 
Holy shit. Hey, these videos are like, I put edits in them. I add footage and make it kind of like, you know, because some people, they do their videos, they can just do a video and talk, but I go the extra mile and put footage in there for oh, people no, to look put, at. So. You put footage, you do it all out. And yeah, no. And I, I capture my own stuff and, it, and it's, it's tough, man. I've been doing it for a year, over a year now since I started the Patreon. And, you know, people think it's easy, but it's not. Oh, and, no. I, and I mean, and it's taking time away from me to actually game myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why people say, hey, Reggie, you played this game yet? No, not yet. You know, or something like that. You know, it's like, because I'm editing videos all the time. And, and your I'm backlog to... is as crazy as mine. <laughs> it is. It is. And I, but what I'm doing this year, well, this probably early next year. Well, yeah, probably sometime this year, I'm going to scale back a little bit. I might start doing one video a week, and, you know, and I'm yeah. kind of like doing my other things. I do like, you know, because uh, I just well, need. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well. It depends, like, because, you know, obviously, if you're doing your two a week, that's your fan base and all that, and it depends on what you're doing YouTube for. If you're doing it for yourself, scale it back. <laughs> you know, it's weird. That's a weird question because it's like uh, yeah. I was doing it for myself, but now the fans really enjoy it, and I was doing it for them as well, so it's like a mixture of both. Yep. But, of course, you know, it, you know, I got to think about myself. And you know, sanity. You know, yeah, exactly, because, you know, I, I want to – I like the videos I do. I do the videos I like to do. I don't do what was trendy or anything like that. I like my videos have a lasting effect. Like I, that's why I don't talk about trendy topics like new stuff or uh, what's coming out and stuff like that because no one cares about that after, after you know the first a couple, three videos you see on it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It's not who cares, you know. So uh, I do videos that are more relevant to my channel or at least to me. Yeah, that'll have a lasting effect over the years, like Game Boy Hidden Gems. That'll have a lasting effect because people might like one of my opinion on what are some hidden gems in that system. So, yeah, I do stuff like that, man. And uh, dude, something horrible happened to me the other day, man. Uh -oh. I was on YouTube and I was actually deleting some videos that I that I didn't edit properly, uh -huh. and I accidentally deleted my uh, my Super Nintendo video, the twelve my twelve favorite Super Nintendo games oh, video. No. So I got to do that again, man. Like, dude. Oh, you didn't keep uh. a backup. I didn't, man. I, oh. I looked for the, that was all, it was one of the only ones I didn't know to do a backup of, and I was like, dude, Murphy's Law, right there. Oh my, it god. is, dude. Oh my god. And so, luckily, I still had the footage I captured for him, but I just got to really just talk about the talk about him in the video again. So I had the footage still captured, but oh man, just, damn. Yeah, I know, man. Dude, that's killer when like stuff you've worked on gets like poo pooed and. I mean, it's it's one of those crazy things because, like, speaking of like hidden gaming gems, like my um, I didn't keep my original hidden treasures book because that was the one that was published in 2012. Right. So like, I didn't keep the original, and when I sent it to the publisher, and they went out of business, um, with the original book, like I didn't have a backup copy, so they had to, they sent me like a locked PDF, so I had to like hack my own file to be able to get those original reviews. Woo. And that's why the first hidden, tre the second printing of Hidden Treasures, which is print on demand, it's still available, print on demand, it looks so crazy. Right, right. And it's because I didn't keep a freaking backup, man. Like, jeez. Like, Listen to us, folks. Keep your backups. Keep you know, our back stuff up. Your backup. Keep his for historical purposes. Keep everything. And it's like talking with all these like artists and stuff, like. I kept the original, so I have the pencil drawings of the complete NES and the Black Box Challenge, like the artwork, the pencil drawings from Joe Simka. Like I have them framed on my wall. 
Whoa, dude. <laughs> and then and then with the complete NES, Joe Simcoe did a painting version of it, a hand painted version that I have on my wall. Cause like most artists, they'll do their initial sketches and then they right. digitize it and they digitally color it. He did right. that with the black box challenge. He digitally colored everything. But he with complete NES, he actually hand painted it all. So that's that's garbage pail kid style. And so I have yeah. that frame too. Like I hold on to that kind of stuff now, cause that shit's. Aw- and now looking at it, it's like that's a fucking amazing piece. Like it looks awesome, and it's framed. Uh, speak, <laughs> speaking of garbage pill kids, yeah. Uh, you know, you know that movie is one of the movies uh, that that has like a no, a rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. On websites, is that, have you have you watched the movie before? I haven't watched it since I was a kid, and it was me, like me nightmare either. fuel back in the day. So, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna attempt to, man, but I looked at how they looked, man. They looked so jacked up, like, oh, there's no way I could do this, man. I don't there's know. no I, way. That almost needs to be like a convention viewing where we all watch it while we're drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly, man. Throw it on, like, and we all go, oh god. Well, we're not paying attention half. <laughs> so check this out, man. Video game movies. Do you have yeah. a favorite out there? A favorite out there. Now, are we talking video game licensed based off of video game, or are we talking about documentaries? Uh, licensed video game movies. Oh. Like Super Mario Brothers or something like that. I, I'm a personally, I, I'm a fan of the original Mortal Kombat because it has a lot of parallels to Enter the Dragon from Bruce Lee. Yes, yes. I love that one. Just because, like, it literally, like, all the characters follow the same kind of tropes as Enter the Dragon. It's really cool. My favorite is actually Super Mario Brothers, man. I love that movie. I saw it in theaters. It's a classic. Uh, it was only three of us in there uh, when we watched it. <laughs> but uh, Well, five of us, actually. Three. But, you know, I, I enjoyed it, man. I thought it was a cool-ass movie, and people bashed that movie. I'm like, whatever, man. I got a it movie, on Laserdisc. I, you do? Nice, dude. Yeah. Nice. I, the only video game movie that I have not been able to watch, and I, I just can't watch it today, even today, is the Double Dragon movie. I it's can't pretty, watch it's it, pretty terrible. Pretty terrible. I, I figured it was, man. When I saw, like, they had, like, I don't know, man. It was just, they got the dude from Party of Five in it as Billy Lee. Yep. And I'm like, man, this dude doesn't even know how to, This is how could this guy be Billy Lee? He doesn't even know how to fight. And the, the other guy played Timmy Lee. The thing is, is that I think that that'll be a, a film where it's going to be so bad it's good, like, over the years. It might be there now. I haven't watched it in so long. But like that's where that's where Super Mario Brothers moved to. It's it's so bad and so out of there now that it, I'm enjoying it, and that's right. a lot of '90s films. Is it's getting to that point, like Street yeah, Fighter. Dude. Street Fighter, same thing. It's Street Fighter was a comedy. If you look at it, if you look at it like a comedy, man, it was a great movie. Yep. And that's how I went into it, man. Like Raul Julia as M Bison, and he was saying some of the the most funniest, the funniest lines One in that movie all day. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know. For me, it was Tuesday and all that stuff. It was just, it was great. It was a great time, man. And, uh, and that's the thing is, is that watching them in not a serious context gives you more of an enjoyment. Oh, exactly, dude. Like, people have to go in there and not being so serious. Now, with the Mortal Kombat movie, though I liked it a lot, I just wished it was rated R so we could get that that more brutality in it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, they did a good job with the movie. Of course, our favorite fight is, is Luke Kang versus Reptile. Oh, man, yeah. that, that that fight was awesome, and the music they played during that man was just insane. Uh, but they really with the Double Dragon. I mean, not Double Dragon, but a Mortal Kombat uh, Armageddon. The problem with that movie is they try to add too much to one movie. 
and yeah. it, it ended up being like, have you watched it? Which one? Uh, Mortal Kombat Armageddon. Oh my god, it's fucking good. <laughs> they, they tried, they tried to add too much to it. Well, they they went the same route that the actual series at the time went with like Mortal Kombat trilogy and all that stuff, where there's just a million characters and you don't have that that you know original group anymore, and now there's just thousands of freaking uh, ninjas and tons and tons of stuff. And I was gonna mention. Mortal Kombat, Arm- Armageddon, Annihilation, or whatever. It's just horrid. It is, man. And they did a lot of crazy stuff in there. Like, I, I'll never forget the one. You probably don't remember this, but uh, Raiden in the movie. Cut his hair. He, yeah, he, he cut his hair. He got played by a totally different character, which was weird. Yep. But one of the guys said, hey, the, Raiden. The, um, the dad from Dexter. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I forgot his name. James. I don't, I don't know Lamont. his James Re- something, but. Yeah, like, and then, because before it was, you know, Highlander was Raiden, which was awesome. Yeah, so what happened was, in the, in the, in the movie, they say, Raiden, will you help us? And he looked at him and said, I will pray for you. They're like, what? What is this, dude? <laughs> like, he serious? Like, that was, that was horrible. I'm like, oh, man. man. And then the animalities at the end, they turned to the dragon, and just, oh, it was, just, it was oh, horrible, yeah. man. It was, it was so, it, so terrible, and that it, one was not the same level. It killed the franchise, and now, years later... They're talking about remastering it, making a new series, so we'll see how it goes. But man, well, there's that Blu-ray be... release that came out off the YouTube series or whatever, where there's like I have eight that. shorts. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was yeah, that was actually really good. You're right. That I, was I like good. my favorite uh, section in that was the uh, sector uh, simulator where they were testing out the sector robots. That was pretty cool. Yeah, but uh, they did a good job on that. Uh, but hopefully, the movie, the next movie they do, will follow the same like way that went because. I can't, I can't imagine seeing something like Mortal Kombat Armageddon again. That, I don't even understand how they even made that. Like, hey, guys, there's something wrong with this film. You know what I mean? Like, we should probably do something different. <laughs> yeah, probably. Jesus Christ. Like, nah, leave that alone. And the crazy thing is, is talking Mortal Kombat is, like, Midwest Gaming Classic and Gamesters Game On Expo, um, I, the Mortal Kombat dudes that did the motion capture at those. Yeah, dude. I'm actually excited, man. I finally get to meet... The, the real Johnny Cage. That's what I call yeah. him. Because you're going to Game On this year. I'm going to Game On and the Mo Game Con. Well, shit, then yeah. you're gonna you're gonna see me there at Game On. Heck yeah, yeah, man. So, shoot. so Game On. The thing is, is that I posted something about uh, Piscina because me and him have a little bit of a history, and he said, "Prepare your liver." <laughs> <laughs> That's because last year at Midwest Gaming Classic, he drank me under the table. And then at game on, I drank him under the table. He was passed out in the corner. Oh wow, dude! <laughs> like, it was awesome. He loves to go out and party, though. Um, Did the he? thing, the thing is, though, Jax, he is a legitimate badass. Like, oh yeah, the guy who played Jax was Army Special Forces during fucking Desert Storm. He has stories. Oh my oh, god! Oh wow! Oh my god! <laughs> wow, dude! He found out That's... my military history, and he started going. He started telling stories. I'm like, yeah, you're legit. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> goddamn, goddamn, Jax. Like, Dude, man. So yeah. he's coming. Is the Jax character coming too? Um, he was there last year. I don't know if he's going this year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wish I lived near Chicago because they're all out there, and they started a martial arts and and gym. It's called Gamma really? or whatever. But yeah, with uh, Doc Mac who runs Galloping Ghost, which is like the biggest arcade in the world. Like they started a gym where Piscina teaches martial arts, and he's a. 30-year martial arts. He's legit. 
Um, and then John Parrish, who plays Jax, he runs um he runs the actual gym and he does like fitness and stuff. So, has Daniel ever told you the whole fiasco with Midway and why they didn't use him as Johnny Cage in the third game? I never asked him. I would love to ask him that and he, when he, I see him. He might have told it at a panel, but, I mean, we'll ask him over, like, a beer or something. Well, this is a weird thing because, you know, Johnny Cage and Raiden are my favorite characters in, Mortal, in the original Mortal Kombat game, even today. Yeah. And when I played Mortal Kombat 3 in Trilogy – they they put they put Johnny Cage in there, but it was this other guy. It didn't look like I was like, who is this dude? This is not Johnny Cage. This is, what happened? And I mean, he was also Scorpion and Sub Zero. So yeah, he's Scorpion, Sub Zero, Reptile, all that stuff. And I think he was Raiden too, actually. Um, I don't think he was Raiden. Maybe. He wasn't Raiden. Okay. Because I mean, his yeah. his brother was in it too as Liu Kang or Kung Lao. I mean, Kung Lao. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Carlos Bazina. Um. Yeah, and then so it was crazy at that. At that bar, though, we had Jax and Johnny Cage, and then Shang Soon, the guy who played him in Part Two, and Shao Kahn <laughs> hanging out drinking. And like the funny thing is, is the guy who plays Shang Soon is like nobody recognizes me. I'm like, well, it's because you have a crazy mustache and a hat in the in the actual uh, <laughs> in the game. So like it's like yeah. freaking nobody would know Piscina's Scorpion unless he wears the the Scorpion freaking gi. Exactly, dude. So yeah, that's the thing that's cool about those conventions too. Is you get to meet tons of awesome people, like that you may never ever get to see, and like history behind it. And then if you're like us and we talk to everybody, like we get some stories. Exactly, man. <laughs> dude, that's that's tight, man. Uh, I can't wait to meet those guys now, man. It's gonna dude. be fun. It, it it is, man. I mean, I was shooting the shit with freaking um, Eugene Jarvis at Midwest Gaming Classic. Um, Eugene Jarvis created Robotron Smash TV. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> like he basically, I just asked him, like, man, there's no Smash TV here. He's like, well, we can go to my house. I live down the road. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm gonna go to Eugene Jarvis's house and play fucking Super Smash Face Smash TV on the arcade. Like, what the fuck? Oh no, man, <laughs> like he did the video game bullshit intro because I was like, dude, could you do an intro? <laughs> like, dude, it's man, just gotten crazy. It's out of control. It's amazing. So I wanted to tell you that, you know, a lot of people have always asked me, like, Reggie, why aren't, why, well, they, they, they assume this, this is not true. Reggie, why aren't you all in Nintendo and all that stuff? Why don't you, like, pump for Nintendo? Why are you only PlayStation? Which is not true. I like Nintendo as well. Oh, I know this. But, <laughs> but I always I always felt like people who, who go after Nintendo nowadays are, like, pretty indoctrinated by them. Like, they'll get anything Nintendo because... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I'm brainwashed, too. <laughs> you bring watch too, Hell man. Yeah. Hell yeah! I, I just, I just, I told people because you know when it, when the NES Classic came out last year, and you remember how Nintendo did that that thing where they said they weren't making that many of them, or they they just didn't sell that many of them. Yeah. And I, I always felt that they did that to get the, the demand up for it. And a lot of people were waiting outside. Some people were sleeping outside waiting to get the the, the classic, you know, from Best Buy. And I was like, wow, dude, like, you know, this is, this is pretty sad. You know, you could play all these games easily on an emulator instead of, like, waiting on the system, which the system is cool, I got to yeah, admit. And it but is an emulator. <laughs> it is an emulator. But how the hell can people sleep outside for it, man? I just didn't get it. And I felt like Nintendo did people wrong by not having those things in stock and having them sell out like they did, especially before the holiday season. I thought that was pretty messed up. Oh, they did. And a little bit. Yeah, they did. And people 
still fell for it, man. I just, I just always felt like people were just way too, I mean, indoctrination period is bad, but I just felt like Nintendo people are just indoctrinated by them. Anything they say, people will jump up on, even if it's crap. And I'm just not like that. <laughs> I mean, I, you I know the at, one I, thing that they couldn't pull the wool over mine, Labo. Oh gosh. Oh hell no. <laughs> I did. I did not. And the thing is, I have a six-year-old daughter. She would probably love it. But do I want a bunch of fucking cardboard sitting around my house after we play it for like 15 minutes? Nope. Like literally, it's the same thing as the Wii plastic garbage that was with that system. Like all the different hookups for the Wii motes and all that shit. Like that right. just took up space. Like that's and this is cardboard. Like no, I'm I'm okay. Like eventually, when it, if if it comes down in price, I might pick it up just to play it with my daughter. Like there you go. That's it though. And that was the only reason why I would get it. But it's like, oh, they didn't pull the wool over my. I didn't have to get that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's I don't know, brother. But they knew do a new Legend of Zelda, I'm gonna buy it. Like, that's I'm indoctrinated into that. Well, here's here's the, the thing too, man. So a lot of people, I, this was shocking to me, and I don't know if I told you this story, but I did a live video a few months ago uh, before I got suspended, which I'll tell you about after that. Oh god. Um, yeah, I know, right? Uh, I was doing a random video where I talked to the fans, you know, because they love when I do live videos, and I talk with them for like a long periods of time that I answered questions. Yeah. And people ask me this question. Hey, Reggie, have you got a Switch yet? When are you going to buy a Nintendo Switch? And I said, yeah, I'll possibly get one, guys. I'll probably maybe around 2020, 2021. <laughs> and when I said this, man, because I was serious. I said, I I no and they they went out of their minds. They said, Reggie, no, man. you got We got to start Reggie a, a Switch fund. And I was like, whatever, guys. And I start answering not, more I'm questions. I'm not going to lie. The Switch is badass. I know, right? And then after after about a couple minutes, next thing you know, a, a donation pops up in my PayPal and for like $50 for the Switch one. I said, like, what the hell? Oh my so then God. I announced it. I said, hey, guys, somebody just put $50 in my PayPal account. And they said, yeah, Reggie, that was me. It's for your Switch fund. <laughs> next thing you know, somebody drops in $100 in there. And it just kept, it kept going. And then next thing you know, I had money to buy a Switch. And I bought one that night. I made a video for him. And yeah. I mean, the fans are, man, I mean... They love that switch so much, man. Well, well, my thing, my thing about the switch that I love is the um the retro like revolution that we're going on on the digital side and on Steam. Right. And it, it takes those millions of Steam games and then we get a trickle, so it's like palatable for me to be able to play some newer games. Like they already been out on Switch on Steam. I got it, but right. they're lost on the Steam store. Like, I won't ever find those. Like that Blossom Tales game is basically Zelda: Link to the Past. And I wouldn't have known about it if it didn't pop over to the Switch. What was it called again? Blossom Tales. I, I've seen that. It, is it's, that Zelda, getting... it's Zelda, man. It is Zelda. Is it getting a physical release? I don't think so. Uh... I mean, it might. And the thing is, I say I don't think so, but then there's other games that are getting a physical release that I didn't think would. So it should. It deserves one. It's awesome. Like, I would definitely buy. I would double dip. I think I got it. For like five, <laughs> I got it for like five bucks, though. I think. Dude, I I double dip in like the the Ease game, uh, Ease Eight. Hell yeah! I got it on the Vita and the PS4. I and haven't I gotten the Switch version yet, but I'm on a budget because of the the hole that Hagen's Alley's in right now. <laughs> yeah, it's not going anywhere. It's a mainstream mainstream game now. You know, it's getting it's gotten there finally. So you will, you'll see copies at a, at a store or whatever. I 
I I don't. You have a PS4? Oh yeah, hell yeah. I would I would tell you to get the PS4 version, but I'm, I'm sure you like that portability of the Switch. So well, I haven't version. I haven't done the 8.5 generation yet, which would be your PS4 Pro and your Xbox One X. But I have right. the eighth generation, which is Wii I don't U, I don't PS4. I don't have those. I don't I don't have the uh, Pro or the Xbox One. I, nope, I said there's no way I'm gonna buy into that. They wanted to make those systems. They should have did it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Don't. Yep. And you can't you can't kind of like buy into that, guys, because uh, then the next thing you know they'll do it when the PS5 and the next Xbox comes out. Well, and you that's know the I mean? thing. You don't already of... a year later talking now about PS5, like the next generations, and it's exactly. Like, I don't know if the companies are, or if it's just gamers being wishful, but I thought that the Pro and the Xbox One X were to get another five years out of the system hardware, which would make sense to me. Um, right. But I'm not. I don't care enough. As long as I can play. The game is like, I'm a casual on Xbox One right now. My wife mm-hmm. is on PS4. She's pretty hardcore into uh, Grand Theft Auto V still online. Oh, nice, dude, dude. She's a mob boss. She's level 400-something. Like, I, you know, I'm level 3. She's level oh, 400. I'm going to send you a video that hasn't come out yet. Nice. It's about my buddy Joe's uh, uh, his, uh, his uh, experience with Grand Theft Auto V. He tried to buy a shark card. <laughs> uh, but he got he got a uh, he he ran into the wrong people. He yeah. tells a story about how he got ripped off, and it's it's pretty funny. Dude, Joe's crazy. Senate. Yeah, he's crazy, man. But he's, his reaction was even crazier, man. Like it's hilarious. <laughs> I got I'm gonna send you that video, man, because nice. it's not out yet. But I'll send it to you so you can check it out when you have time. Are you are but, you talking yeah. about Joe Witter? Joe Witter, crazy Joe, who might be part of a gaming documentary that we're both a part of that we haven't mentioned and might get shipped from Darren right. if we uh, don't mention it. <laughs> 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 yeah joe the, the star of the bits of yesterday the man bits joe, of yesterday and that's what i put in my review of it is it is around his story the the it whole is. the whole film is around his story yet and and i will be candid i don't know why joe was not on the banner and it was gaming classic that my mug was on my mug's yeah. on there i'm an author i'm i have like 15 to 30 seconds of screen time and the story's around him. Yeah, I was surprised about that too, man. They did such a good job around the documentary around Joe, man, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was telling Joe about it, how much I loved it and everything. And Joe and Joe was like, yeah, yeah. Radical's man, in said, there. Radical Reggie's in there. Yeah, I showed up a couple of times, man. You know, You're in there cool. longer than I am. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just but, pontificate every once in a while. <laughs> I know, right? Joe's part was just so cool and amazing. I mean, when I, when I saw it before it actually came out and I saw Joe's part, I said, dude, this is going to work, man. Because Joe, Joe is just, I don't know, he's just a natural on camera, man. It's what he says flows. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he, I mean, I wish he had time to do a YouTube channel, man, because he still has, he has one, but he doesn't have time to do it. But Joe I mean, is one of the funniest people I've ever met, dude. And he keeps it real. And man, I'm, just, I'm just happy he was in that documentary because here's a funny story. Uh, Darren was actually coming out here to document uh, John Hancock, Kenzie, and myself. And I said, hey, wait a minute, you're going to do Kenzie. I said, hey, dude, you got to do my buddy Joe, man. Joe is an amazing guy and everything. You should put him in the film too. And Darren was kind of iffy at first, like, Joe, what the hell? And once he met Joe, he, he, he understood what I was talking about, man. He said, wow, dude, I'm so happy that I could put Joe in this film. And, and so plus, like, he makes it the drinking game where every time Joe lights up a cigarette, you got to take a shot. <laughs> like it's classic my wife was i was watching it my wife's like man he's smoking a lot i was like that's joe i know right it's, it's hilarious so 
Yeah, actually, I let my friend borrow it, and he finally brought it back. I'm probably going to watch it maybe tomorrow or something like that. But, yeah, it, it was it was pretty good, man. I was very happy with it. Uh, I like how everybody came out. You know, it was it was good work. So Yeah, I, I was actually kind of surprised at the packaging, too, because, like, when I got – because I backed it on Kickstarter before it was, like, uh, before I was even interviewed for it. And – like it was interesting because I got the stuff and it's like there's a T-shirt in there and stickers and a, a soundtrack, a physical soundtrack, and I was like, damn, it's like a complete package. Like it really was made for fans, which is cool. Yep. Um, exactly. Ob- yeah. Obviously, in my review, I'm I mentioned it's a little unfocused at times. Like there's a little bit of um, like there's a positivity when Joe's on there, and then you have other guys that are like um, where it talks about addiction and it almost sounds like we're all crazy for collecting games. And then, like, there's some weird stuff where it kind of ebbs and flows. Um, well, here's the thing, though. I think they just needed to add the part, like, we don't just collect games. We collect games we, we want to play. And that's Whoa. what we mean by collecting. At least I think so, right? <laughs> well, with, I mean, with we, you're talking me and you, yes. When you're talking to others, like, I got a buddy who has, like, 40 freaking NESs because he picks up on one every time he sees them, and he won't sell them. He won't trade them. Wow. Yeah. What? Yeah. And I'm guilty a, of that. It's a legit well, thing. It is. I'm, I'm guilty of it in a way. I mean, I do have multiple copies of games, but not multiple systems and stuff like that. Well, and you the know? thing is, is that all of us, if we're passionate about something, anything out there, if we see it out there for a good price and we happen to like go to a Goodwill or something, we see it, we're going to buy it. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not like out there actively looking for another copy of the same thing or another system. And my thing is, is I will absolutely... Um, get it to buddies who need it or trade it up for something that I don't have yet that I need or want. But I don't hold on to any doubles of anything. I have no doubles. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but, but I think some, some people, especially on that, um, the docker are pretty ho- hoarder style, but the whole tone of the movie like shifted a little bit. It was, it was interesting. And then there's another guy who's basically said that, you know, it kept him out of being a criminal or craziness like that, too. Other Some of the other guys that were interviewed, I don't know them. Um, I actually never met Joe, either. Like, I don't think I've talked to him before, like, outside of maybe online. And I don't even think we chatted online. Oh, you'll definitely meet him this year, man. So, yeah, uh, yeah but sure. that, that, I, I get what you're saying about the documentary, too. I felt like that on, on some points in it, too. Yeah. Uh, but overall, felt- the whole thing is cool. I like it, it is cool. I just felt like uh, I didn't know what direction they were going. It seemed like they were going one direction first and then another direction at another time. Mm-hmm. It's not bad or anything, but I just mm-hmm. it kind of threw me off a little bit. And I do know I mentioned him earlier, a guy who runs Let's Play, Christian Dieter. I know he helped with the with uh, doing the uh, edit before after the initial version that I watched. He helped with editing, and that helped tremendously, actually. Ah. Like, like the editing on the actual Blu-ray. Because I, I initially last year saw like a version that digitally that he provided to all the people in it, and I watched it. and I was like, man, this is cool. Um, but you know, there's I was like, damn, some of the times like the YouTubers over there, like Game Chasers or Pat or whoever, saying something, then I come on and I say something completely different the way that a lot of collectors feel. Right, <laughs> it's like right, right. I'm not a and but like the stuff you would say was right on par with what I was saying. And then when the Blu-ray came out, like all that was gone. Like all that mis miscommunication aspect, either they moved pieces around and made it flow better, or like it's awesome though, like the the final edit, professional. Yeah, yeah, professionally Definitely. cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Man. 
but yeah, bits of yesterday. If you haven't seen it, guys, uh, check it out. Yeah, but uh, we we definitely have to have to. When we mentioned Joe, we got we got to mention the bits. Otherwise, Darren will will be on us. Oh gosh, give, give us a look. <laughs> give us a look online. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It was funny. He was asking me something. He's like, "Man, nobody's talking about the movie, and like the, everybody that is in it should be promoting it." And I'm like, "Well, you know how real movies work, right? The the publishing company, 20th Century Fox or whoever, will hold the convention and they will fly the stars out to places to promote it. Like yep. it, ain't, it ain't the opposite way. Like I get it, but and you know those stars are paid to be in the movie." I was like, I was like, dude, you gotta, it's it's a ground pound. How do you think my books got out there? Because I talk about them and I go to conventions and I don't like. I ask everybody who contributes, like, hey, can you share it somehow, please? Like, yeah, I, I did. I did a couple of videos. Yeah, and, uh, promoted it. Me and I remember oh, Kickstarter, yeah, fucking awesome. Indiegogo. Uh, what else? I promoted it when I did the Mo GameCon video, which yeah. was one of my successful videos. I had it, I talked about it in there. Yeah, and then man. we did the panel. I promoted that too on there too. Dude, yeah, like you about did, four you, videos. You all like everybody's went like above and beyond. Did some awesome shit for like my stuff, and I'm like, all I ask is share however you can. If it's a freaking Facebook post to your fans, that's cool. Like whatever you got time for, because you're all busy. And I think me asking that might have rubbed some of the contributors the wrong way. Because if you noticed with the hidden gaming gems and like Sean Long ain't on there, and he he like won't even respond to get his free copy of his book i don't know what happened with him i don't know if he's because he posts online it's not like he's that busy but like i think something i said to maybe ask maybe he just feels like oh i contributed i should have it without having to 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 promote it and i just asked if you could i didn't say you had to oh well hey you know <laughs> yeah if, like, you're not, if you're not getting a response there's nothing really good to do you just gotta move on well and the thing is up. he moved so i don't have his new address so i can't just like ship it to him <laughs> otherwise oh, i would I got to just ship the damn thing to him. Like, here you go, man. You're a contributor, dude. You 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 put some some effort and some time into your writing. It's freaking awesome. Well, well maybe if you see him at a convention, you you go, you go just hand him one a copy. If you yeah. See him at a well, if he shows up, now here you go. You're your contributor. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's that easy. <laughs> and yeah, it's cause it's funny too, cause like like some of the some of the contributors have like then written for like Brett Wise's books and. They think I'm gonna be mad. I'm like, dude, I wrote in Brett Weiss's book. <laughs> like, I dude. wrote it there too. Like, what the hell? <laughs> nice, dude. What was this book about? Um, he wrote um a bunch of old school gaming books that were like a lot of text. Were but it covered like um Nintendo and 7800 and Master System all in the same book. And then the next ah. one covered Genesis and Neo Geo and Turbo Graphics in the same book. But there's like not a lot of pictures. And he said, oh, I'd never do a Super Nintendo book because it's too big. And then I did mine. And now he actually got a publishing deal to do the Super Nintendo book. And he's doing art and shit and, like, with it. Because, you know, I caused him to – I raised the bar a little bit. And I'm like, hell yeah. It means we're going to get a badass Brett Wise book. <laughs> That's, like, I'm a hobbyist. So it's like I don't – I think that if other people are doing the same kind of stuff and raising the bar – and I raise the bar and they're – making a better product out of it that's freaking badass yeah seriously man and i'm gonna buy a copy shit you kidding me like <laughs> like unless the person's a complete ass bag and i don't like them and there is one person that is doing something similar as an ass bag to a lot of people and i don't like that um that's the only kind of stuff that i won't support is if people are like complete assholes to the community and everybody 
other than that, I will support. And Brett Wise is always cool as shit. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are you mad that Brett Wise doing? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I contributed like eight reviews to it. He's doing it in two volumes. So, Super Nintendo book. Yeah, he's not messing around, dude. License nice. only licensed and in two volumes because it's because it's pretty big, and that's what the publisher wanted. So, I mean, he'll be in Barnes and Noble and shit, dude. Yeah, seriously, that's gonna be awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Speaking. Of- Whoa, I think I lost you, Reggie. Uh oh, Reggie. Reggie, you disappeared for a second there. Oh, sorry. sorry. After you said, dude. Dude, so I I started downsizing on my Super Nintendo collection, man. I, uh, okay. I'm getting so many games now, like you know, like my game room, like games are all over the house, and I really started to sit back and look at games that I probably wasn't gonna play that I bought that I wasn't gonna play. Yep. Uh, I mean, I had intentions on playing them when I bought them, but I just never got to it, and I just started downsizing on some games, and uh. uh Super Nintendo was the next, some of the next stuff to go because after I got the SNES Classic, I was like, dude, everything is so much fun playing it on here, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know about some of these games, and some games were higher priced games that were going for money, and you know, I just went ahead and, and sold them, man. So sold and trade up for other stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do. But people go crazy when you talk about us. They're like, how could you sell your Super Nintendo stuff? No, I'll never sell my stuff. Never. Jeez, mm-hmm. like, wrong with you, man? Like, uh, actually, like... my wife was like a proponent of me not selling stuff, which was crazy. She's like, "You're gonna regret it," because I sold off like a lot of games that I just wouldn't play. And I'm like, right. "No, I'll be okay." And there was a lot of card only NES, Super Nintendo. Um, I boxed Genesis and boxed Master System stuff, and it's just games that I wouldn't play. I knew I wouldn't. They've been they sit in a garage for three years, and I move into another house. I'm like, they've been in a in the garage for the whole time. They're not getting any appreciation. And mm-hmm. if I want to play the game, it's much more convenient for me to fire up an EverDrive or an emulator than to go yes. dig in my garage and pull it out. It's not on display. Yes. So exactly. yeah, if it's not display worthy to me, it's like, well, it's expendable. Yeah, yeah. I I, I always mm-hmm. felt more like that with cartridge type games, like when my CD based games. Because CD-based games is where I really started to pick up. That's your nostalgia. That, That's your nostalgia. Like, I, 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 I grew up with Nintendo. I liked it. Super Nintendo as well. Enjoyed it. But when I got to high school, man, I was really transitioning out of video games. What got me back into video games was the PlayStation. Now, I did. I was a big fan of the Sega CD, but I never had it because my friends had it. You know, my, my parents couldn't afford it at the time. or They just didn't want to buy it because it was too expensive. Yeah. So... I never got to really play it that much, so I I, uh, I kind of stopped playing video games. Then when I had the chance to get the PlayStation, I hopped on it, and uh, and that was because I saw my nephew play Resident Evil, which actually put two of my favorite things together that I always wanted in video games: voice acting, uh, real voice, real movie actors like the FMV, uh, and in video game play. You know, I like that Resident Evil put that both to, put that together in one game, like it real did. actors and. And I was amazed by that. So you were immediately games... made into a Jill sandwich, weren't you? Oh, man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude. But... This is how Resident Evil... I actually watched a, my nephew play it. So and good. I watched him play it, and I enjoyed it. I was like, wow, I gotta get a PlayStation. And I ended up buying Resident Evil Director's Cut that came with a Resident Evil 2 demo. Now, I didn't own a PlayStation at the time, but I said I might as well have the games ready so when I do get the PlayStation, 
and that's Horton. dude no. <laughs> that's Horton. no <laughs> no it's smart I though got my playstation and it, i was so happy dude like i was really video games i fell in love with video games again at that well, point. and you know what and that was it was that anticipation of a new gaming experience and then it paid yes. off and it did hell yeah it really paid off it's man. amazing and and that was my that's where my love for the PlayStation started, man. They were putting out great titles like that. Uh and it was just it was a it was just a really good time, man. Uh PlayStation C D based games I've always I liked better because they could put more on them. Cartridge yeah. for me, you know, they were always expensive and then they couldn't do what the CDs did, you know what I mean, where it came to storage, you know what I mean? Like uh oh, yeah. if you compare some games on N sixty four to PlayStation counterparts, you know, you see a lot of stuff. There's always stuff cut. Yep, always stuff cut. Now, they could add that stuff to the cartridge, but it makes it more expensive. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, cartridges could be up to more, $100 or more, which is crazy. So, so this is is the interesting part and why I like freaking the type of collector you are is that, like, in my game room right now where I'm sitting, like, I have, like, a small room that I have. I don't have any of my fifth or sixth generation stuff out because I don't have room. And so, like, right. my, my PS1, I have a lot of PS1 and PS2 games. They're not out. Um, I do have Sega CD and my Sega Saturn collections out. Um, and they're giant little boxes, but they're, I don't have a ton of them. So they're easy to display. But, right. like, I had a whole shelf dedicated just to PS1 and PS2. And they're right now in the garage, unfortunately. But it's just, uh, like, they don't get the space to it right now. And neither does N64, though. And I don't have a lot of N64, but they're not out either. So... My thing is, is that I know right now I am heavily focusing on the other generations. I did get a 64 EverDrive, so I have that hooked up. I've been playing that. But as soon as that PlayStation IO comes out or whatever, I might hook up a PS1. Cause the yeah, PS- seriously. Yeah, the PSIO hooks up where the old GameShark hooked up, and you can play on an SD card, play all the PlayStation 1 games on it. That is on point, man. What is the price range for that? I think it's going to be about what an EverDrive costs, so hundred to two hundred, probably maybe maybe a little bit in the middle somewhere. It doesn't I look. I wonder bad. if it'll be. I wonder if it'll be region free. Like yeah. Play PAL. It'll be region free. It's going to cover everything. Um, they had it on demo and maybe for sale at um Midwest Gaming or not Midwest Gaming Classic. Too many games like a couple years ago. Um, oh, they wow. had they had it out there. I'm not sure if they've mass distributed it yet, but. Yeah, dude, it was it was really awesome. I've just been waiting on it because when I do the complete PlayStation, which yes, I am going to do it, um, and it'll be wait. it'll be one fucking book. I don't know how I'm gonna do it in one book, but I don't want two volumes. Um, <laughs> I don't know how the hell I'm gonna do it, but when I do that book, is I need a way to play all the games. And emulation right. on the computer might be the route I have to go. But if I if that PSIO thing is is gonna work, I'm gonna do that because I want to play it on okay. original hardware if I can. That's like every yeah. book so far, and you know I only have two complete series. Um, but yeah, and, and like, yes. and you know the way I do it now is U.S. PAL exclusives, Japanese exclusives, homebrew, yep. everything, unreleased, everything goes into it. Collectible pieces, kiosks, everything, because I want everything that I like, and I like all the history behind everything. Heck yeah, man. That's what I'm talking about, dude. It's the only only way to do it. And so the thing is, the PlayStation library is huge. Well, guess what? I'm not just doing U.S. (laughs) That's that's what gets crazy. Speaking of that, so 
Uh, I've always like had like mostly U.S. games and a couple of like Japanese games for the PlayStation. Yeah. But a few years ago, my friends introduced some games to me that came out in PAL territories, and mm-hmm. uh, I think I talked I talked to you about this game before Chaos Chaos Break. Yep. For PS One survival, you know I love survival horror games, and this was a survival horror action based type game where I didn't know about it. It only came out in PAL territories in Japan, so I ended up buying it. And I loved it. And I was like, wow, dude, how many more PAL games are out there that I don't know about that are like these exclusive type games? Yeah. Or even in Japan as well. So I really went out on the bench and started buying a lot of PlayStation, uh, like European exclusives or Japan exclusives, like of great games, man. It was, it was like almost being re, re, uh, introduced to the PlayStation library again. Like, re, you know, it was refreshed for me again. I felt mm-hmm. like I was a kid again, basically. So see, like you saying that is exactly how I feel with every one of these complete books. Like it reintroduces me to them. And like the PlayStation for me over the last five years um, has, it's starting to get better, but it was always like, man, the graphics just aren't there for me because it's like a little blocky and whatever. But now as time is going (laughs) on, it's starting to, starting to be a lot, it's starting to grow on me. Right. And right. it's interesting. Um, dude. Dude, I oh, was... sorry. So... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, damn, I forgot what I was going to say just now. Uh, uh, no, shit. you go ahead. I'll try to remember it. <laughs> oh, I'm saying, like, right now, I am loading my... Because I've already researched it. The complete PlayStation 1 book. There are... Right. 1,389 PS1 US releases. Jeez. 1,000, okay? So then PAL exclusives, which include release in Japanese, but I go to PAL first, there are 288 PAL exclusives. And then Japanese, there are another 773 Japanese-only games. Now, with my... Now, my Japanese, we only are going to cover games that were are playable by us without having a knowledge of Japanese. They have to be enjoyable. That means that, like, if it's an action RPG and there's some text, but you can still play the game after you get through the wall of text, um, that will be in the list. But if it's an RPG or a date simulator, shit like that won't be in there because we can't get a good enjoyment out of it. And then um, Net okay. Yer- and then I have Net Yeruzi games in here somewhere. Um, I haven't started that yet, but that's a thing. I don't know if you heard of the Net Yeruzi. I have heard of that, man. Uh, so that, is- that was that blue PlayStation 1 console. And literally, um, you could program games on it. And those games exist that people made. Dude, that, <laughs> like, I thought the Net Yeruzi was the black one. Is it black or is it dark blue? I thought it was always blue whenever I, I saw pictures. They, have, they, they actually have one complete in box at my local game store. Shit. I've been, I've been debating on whether I'm going to get it or not. But my God. I don't, I, 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 the thing is, though. like How much they want for I, it? I don't want to spend the money on it. It's $500 complete in box. I'm it's like, expensive. man, I'd rather just trade some stuff in there. Trade and some shit I, in for it, yep. And when I'm thinking about trading stuff in there, I look at my Super Nintendo stuff. I was like, dude, I have it on the SNES Classic. I mean, why not just trade that stuff in? Because I don't really, I like it, but I still have a way to play it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just like that when it comes to cartridge type games. 
Well, and with game stores, if you're doing a trade, they usually they didn't pay 500 for it, so usually right. they'll give you a better trade value because you're just trading it. You're not getting cash for it, so you can be like, hey, can you trade this closer to actual retail? So for amount, so that way I come a little more even. So you're kind of doing me a deal on the Net Uzi. You're getting a deal on the Super Nintendo games because I know you didn't pay 500 for the Net Uzi, and we right, all right. win. And that's usually how it works. But yeah, I need to dude. Get that thing, man. Like, there's the thing is though is I don't know if you can play those games on the the Net Uzi or if those games are playable on the PS One. Or, like, that's what I don't know. That's why that list isn't expanded. But we're already right. at freaking 2,000, over 2,000 games. So... Annette Yeruzi is actually region-free. Yeah. And it's okay. a region-free PS1. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I make sure of that, because... And then the other yeah, thing is, some... is, I don't know if there's any homebrew on the PS1. Like, uh, besides there, for Annette Yeruzi. I mean, there, there is that game called Thrill Kill uh, that was uh, canceled. Well, Thrill Kill turned into Wu-Tang. It did, yeah. Yeah, and there's a proto. That's an unreleased game, though. That was actually released okay, by yeah, a real right. company. It's not homebrew. It was released so, later, though. By it, The yeah. ROM showed up later. So There, there is a, actually a couple of homebrews out there. I saw a website for them. I forgot what the game was called. Basically, the only way you could play the game is if you had a modified console because mm-hmm. they don't have that code where they could just make a game on PlayStation. Because it, it, you have to have a certain way to play it on there, I guess. Yeah. Without it, yeah. So I forgot what, what it was called though, but they do have them out there. So there's I probably only a few, them. and then not that many. I no. wonder if there's any like bootlegs too. That's the other thing. Like you know, you're talking about your Chinese games that you would see at like the flea markets and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, dude, like you know what I mean. Like they'd have like a weird ass. Like all of a sudden, there's a PS1 game that's like the Mummy. That wasn't even released. Or, you know what I mean? Like, something new that's on PS1 right. for some fucking reason. I love that shit. Right, right. But they did that. On, <laughs> they do that on, like, the Super Nintendo or the Nintendo. Like, where there's ga- games released by bootleg companies that, like, Harry Potter on the NES. Mm-hmm. Like, how the hell is there Harry Potter on the NES? Like, yeah, that's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. The, shit like that is, I wonder, if, like, I don't know much about that either. Um, But that's the shit that I'm going to start researching after when I get toward that series because the thing is is that like so i got genesis on the horizon which is going to take me a couple years by the way um we're talking years um i want to do a turbo graphics 16 book i love that system um dude i'm just finally getting introduced to it man it's pretty crazy such an amazing system and you got some of your voice acting on the cd side too and it's just oh yeah the like the ultimate 16 bit type deal um so you got that i mean and then, like, I, everybody says, oh, you gotta do a complete Nintendo 64, and I'm like, everybody forgets about the Game Boy. Like, I wanna do a complete Game Boy book. Oh, man, that's gonna be crazy, dude. I got, man, Game Boy, dude. And the thing, like, and the, and the thing that blows my mind is, then another book is Game Boy Color. That's a whole nother system, cause there's more releases on Game Boy Color than on the Game Boy. Like, fuck. Really? Yeah. And it's like NES style games. They're amazing. Oh my god, I didn't know that. I thought the Game Boy had more games than the Game Boy Color. Okay, so there's a oh. thing I could post over to you, Reggie, but there is let me see. Thirty three talking net Yeruzi. Sixty six. There's over sixty six games, I think. Uh huh. 
on the net Yeruzi okay. or or more. There's this disc that you can get the net Yeruzi collection. Right. And it was released. So I don't know if that's what that's. Do for. me a favor. Send me that, uh, the, the, the POW the exclusives and the Japanese exclusive the link to me so I can see what POW games are out there that I might not have picked up on. Cause a lot. When, I don't know. When it comes, I know, right? When it comes, I, I figure I got a lot of good POW games for, that were exclusive uh-huh. to Japan and, uh, and POW territories, but. I don't know. I feel like there's more out there that I'm not. I don't know about. Them. Dude, it's like, and that's the thing is like, the um, at least for my books, like the the Game Boy itself, like that's just me wanting to rekindle my own nostalgia growing up playing the fucking game, Boy. right? Um, and wanting to play more experiences because the thing was is that yeah, it's it's monochrome, it's black and white, but like the programmers did some amazing sprite work, right? And it looks awesome. So and then. It'll be interesting with the Game Boy Color because the Game Boy Color is its own thing and its own version of games. There's like, and the music sounds like NES on mm-hmm. some games. Like, there's this Action Man one that Mike Levy mentioned when I posted about um, Wendy on the Game Boy Color, and, and I listened mm-hmm. to the music and it's like NES style Vice Project Doom, like amazing music. I'm oh like, wow! Dude. Holy shit! And the the graphics look a little more late 90s because in early 2000s because that's when that system was out but it's like jesus and it was backward compatible so a lot of people think that the game boy color is just another game boy and it's not there's hundreds like six seven hundred games on the freaking game boy color dude you gotta be looking i just found another one right now a robocop on game boy color yeah and that's untapped nobody's collecting that shit I gotta get into it, man. This is this is a, this this is a thrill again, man. That's what I'm talking about, dude. It's, <laughs> and like that's where it gets crazy. Is I just I will be writing about it in the upcoming years. <laughs> but it's like the the writing and the playing part is what takes the time. And so it took me for the complete Genesis to do the layouts of. Cause I'm already done with the layouts of North America, PAL exclusives, right. and Japanese. And mm-hmm. bootlegs, unlicensed, and all that. I'm already done with the layouts of that, and that took me about six months. Six so, months, okay. So, just the layout. Not the writing, not the plan, <laughs> not the research of the, you know, who did everything and the years and everything. Just, right. the, just the layouts, getting the artwork right. Um, and I found a way to streamline it. So, I can do the, the layout work even faster now, but the, the writing is what's going to take a while. Um, oh, okay. But... Yeah, that's the thing though. Is like I just want to jump into every system. It's like, but I got well, I got to stay focused though, and get to, otherwise the books will never come out. Is it, is it hard to stay focused, man? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I I have ten books out now. So, and that's Ooh. just because I was concurrently working on stuff. So while I was working on the complete NES, um, and while I was working, I was refining Hidden Treasures, and I released Hidden Treasures. And then the complete NES. And while I was working on the complete NES, I was working on the 1990 and 91 Culture Chronicles, which are big, full artwork type books based on a year in gaming. Everything for that year. So imagine if I go to 92, 93, and the systems that came out and shit, and then I can start talking about some of this newer stuff. Right. Like, as the years go on. Those books are smaller, like two, 300 pages. And they're quicker to write. Because I'm not, I'm sitting there telling stories about the stuff. And that's where the compendiums came in, you know, the Nintendo, Super Nintendo compendiums. 
Right. And I realized that would be cool to do for each system. So then I got those. And those I work on concurrently while I was working on NES Oddities and the Definitive Super Nintendo. And so, and there's other books that I'm working on that I, I have ready too. Like that'll be, that'll be out before the Genesis book. You're just pretty busy, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and I only have time on the weekends. So like I really got, I really maximize. And on the weekends, I like to shoot the shit with you all on doing the podcast then. Like this is a, and the thing is, is I got like people that listen. They're like, you need to do longer episodes. I'm like, okay, we'll bullshit longer. <laughs> how, long were you, how long were you doing before? Well, the the one that I did that was shorter was I did a um preview of the Hidden Gaming Gems book and everything that's gonna be in it, and it was just me. And I did like forty five minutes or something. They were complaining. They wanted longer than that. They, <laughs> they want like well, he's like I listen to it at work. Or I listen to it while I'm working on editing videos or doing other stuff and i'm like okay oh i guess you i get i get what they're saying doing, while they're okay. working on projects they throw a podcast on yeah ah. like that's the thing like video game bullshit like we have over 10 to twenty thousand views per episode wow okay we do it for free we do it at on podcast we upload everything to archive.org so it's free to hosting and we're not going to make money on it. And if we want to make money, we do a Kickstarter and we release like a physical version somehow. That's what we gotcha. did. That's what we did. But like, yeah, we got 20,000 on the last NBA Jam one. And we were like, holy shit, this is like major YouTube views. Like, Damn, dude. But like it's it's only on podcast apps and shit. It's audio only. Um, I, started, oh, oh. I, I throw these on YouTube. Holy shit, we're at like two hours now. Yeah. They better they better be happy. Oh yeah, we're good, man. That's all I was saying. We're hitting like two. But it's like the thing is is this is Hagen's Alley Books podcast is just me give me an excuse to bullshit with y'all that we haven't talked in a while. Like yeah. we actually talked like about a week or so ago about hitting gaming gems. But like I'm saying like there's a lot of buddies that I just haven't caught up with and I'm like, you know what? Let, let me just start the podcast. I'm not editing shit for going on youtube i'm just gonna literally upload it with it and then i'm gonna add music for the podcast episode right and then i'll even out the audio so the audio will probably be a little soft going on youtube because i'm literally Mm -hmm. not editing it um so but that's okay (laughs) (laughs) they could turn it up if they want to um or or listen to the, the podcast version and that's totally fine while that shit's rendering i go and hang out with my daughter and we go run around and See how it sure. is today. If she's out. If she's out today. That's literally once we get done here, I'm gonna go hang out with my my little one. We were uh, building the fort earlier today. Oh, nice, man. <laughs> so y- your wife is playing games like Grand Theft Auto. You're playing like mm-hmm. like Genesis games right now and everything like that, right? Yep. And your daughter, what did she play more of the modern stuff or did she play the retro? So when she does play, she right now she's like when she's not outside playing because we make sure she's outside. But when gotcha. she's when she's inside, she'll be watching YouTube videos on toy unboxings and on Mario Brothers like fan games and playthroughs and shit on YouTube Kids. Um, wow. Okay. But she's she was really obsessed with Mario Odyssey. Um, played the <laughs> shit out of it on the on the Switch. It's awesome. Um, and then in her room, she has my Super Nintendo in there because. Oh, you- Okay. Yeah, cool, she cool. has my Super NES with the SD to SNES, so she can play any Super Nintendo game. She usually plays Mario Paint or Fun with Game, ah. fun, fun with Games, Fun and Games. She plays those Mario, two. Mario Paint, interesting choice, man. Well, you saw <laughs> you saw at the beginning of my Super Nintendo book, 
she sat next to me playing Mario Paint while I worked on that whole book, and it showed from the year that it started to the year how how big she got, showed how she grew, and because she was playing the whole time next to me, so that's where her she has a little bit of nostalgia with that game where she likes playing it, and then um so she has a Super Nintendo in there, and then also she has my Wii U, and she plays um Mario Maker, and she likes playing Smash Brothers and Mario Kart Eight, um. But then she just got a Barbie game recently on the Wii U that she enjoys. Dress up thing. And she's a girl, so she likes that stuff. <laughs> you know. She also That's has funny, a Sega man. Pico in there too. <laughs> is it does it feel good if you got your, your daughter like she likes the retro scene? Like you Oh know, yeah. Bit, like, she's gonna be a nerd. Be she's gonna be a nerd. Like she's gonna know. <laughs> and the thing is so I so I saw I'm working on another book, um seventy eight page My Little Pony book for my daughter. Oh okay. dang, man, you're Dude, you got so much project going on. It's already done. Oh, it's already done. <laughs> like me and her sat, and this is when I, before I moved, we sat and we and we, I let her pick all the imagery that she wanted for the My Little Ponies. She wrote, uh, she talked about the ponies, and I verbatim wrote what she talked about. And then um, we went through the whole all the ponies that she wanted, and then I have like a, about eight pages where it's like her pictures and stuff like that. And I'm gonna probably opened it up for pre-orders for those that want every fucking book that I do for some reason, which is crazy. Um, it's going to be landscape style, probably only paperback, but it's going to be London's Big Book of Ponies. Um, I have an artist doing the artwork for the front, like an actual legitimate art artist worked in, with Disney. <laughs> like, like, but it's going to be, I'm going to sell the book for like probably 20 bucks or less and just do a tiny print run. I only want to make one for her and for like friends. So, okay. Like, like friends and family, but like I'll put it up line for pre-order for those that want everything I do. Just give them an opportunity and say this will be available for this couple weeks, and then I'm going to do the print run. Well done, man. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's <laughs> London's Big Book of Ponies. It's already done. Um, Like I got that one, and then the other book that I'm working on that is going to be – I don't know how crazy it's going to be. It's already formatted, though, now. is uh, I'm doing a book for Walter Day. Walter Day. Sounds familiar. Yeah, the got God, the Godfather of gaming. He um started Twin Galaxies, the whole gaming, um, video game records kind of ah, was popularized okay. with him. The Billy Mitchell thing. That's he's also Billy know, Mitchell. Asso- he's also hey, associated with Walter Day. I, I look. I was looking. At, speaking of Billy Mitchell, real fast. I was. Uh, oh yeah. I was looking at some people took some pictures of him with him. Yep. And that dude's hair looked like a hoodie, man. Yep. That's his gimmick. His hair is his gimmick. I, I figured. I figured he was doing that on purpose because they're like. I was uh, looking at. Us, I just started laughing. I was like, man. He has a whole like. He has a whole like vision where he wears those white suits with the American tie, and that's that's his gimmick, man. He's okay. he's a walking talking gimmick. So I don't know too much about this this thing about him cheating and everything. Have you looked into that? Like read what they were saying about. So that? So I've met the dude multiple times. He's always cool. Um, however. Whatever happened, he definitely played on emulation. I don't think he knew, but he definitely played it. His record, whatever record video he did, it was definitely because there's like video proof, like based on how the screen is drawn by the game, it's drawn differently on the emulation than it is on the actual arcade. So right. it's like it's proof, but I don't think he knew, and I think it's well, just it's one of those what? things where he's just not that knowledgeable on that shit. It plays well, the same. Well, why does it really matter if it plays the same? You it, know, why it, are people just giving him a heck? 
Well, people are giving him heck because he's Billy Mitchell. Um, okay. <laughs> and um, I figured. And also because they're separate score record world records for Mame and Arcade. There's there se- there's be. a separate board for it. I think it. I don't know if it plays differently, which you would think he would notice that. Um, but I don't know why it was separate. But that was an old Twin Galaxies thing. They had it separated. Um, there's se- there's always like little different ways you can play games that were separated. But right. yeah, so he did it. I don't think I think he's pretty like oblivious to the fact that it was that i mean and that's why he's going around doing his tour and everything and i really think that if he wants to he could probably like riding a bike get back on the horse and do it but it's also one of those things where it's been so many years that you know he's getting older so he might not want to he might not care (laughs) i think he shouldn't care i mean i mean what he did was an accomplishment i i mean yeah. I mean, what? I mean, shit. Who? How? Who else could do that? You know what I mean? Like, well, that's crazy. Is the other thing with the uh, Mr. Activision Todd Rogers story too? He, it wasn't the same. Like a week before, two weeks before Billy Mitchell, he was. They said that he was um, cheating too, and I think in his situation, he was kind of set Jeez. up more so because the proof that they used it for him, they didn't use the same Atari console, the same version, and so Todd Rogers used the original Atari. And they did the testing on like a diff- a newer version or like the the um Atari Junior or whatever. Right. And so if you would have done the original one, I think that there's a little bit of older tech in that which could be manipulated via the time. There's some crazy ass you know tech shit that basically like I think that if they tested it on that original one, they might be able to replicate his world records. And I think that they were legit. It's, it's just like a glitch almost, though. It's not like a, a skilled world record. It's like a skilled world record plus manipulating the glitch within the console itself to do something that wasn't intended. Like, do you, Right. So I think, think he's he, legit. That's just me. Do you, do you think people just want to get this final reason just to, to take somebody down? Like, they want to get mm-hmm. triggered over something like, oh, mm-hmm. you're a cheater. Absolutely. So do it. Absolutely, I think so. And it's craziness. I mean, people are people, though. I mean, yeah, there's certain people jealousy. have agendas, certain people don't. Certain people were, you know, scorned or hurt by the communities because, you know, communities can get toxic out there sometimes. Um, Very toxic. <laughs> yeah. But the non-toxic aspect is that Walter Day, you know, back to the book, is like the nicest dude I've ever met. Um, genuine guy, like literally give you the shit off his back. Um, and he gave me a literary award on my Hidden Treasures book back in 2014, 2015. Really? And that, you know, got me invited to some places, got me on the map, per se, and is the reason why the complete NES, like, it's, I met Joe Simcoe at a Walter Day event, and he did the art for the complete NES that helped the book get noticed when it went to Kickstarter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right, shit right. doesn't happen automatically. Like it, like things like everything happens for a reason. And like, you know, like that got a lot of attention. And so like, I owe, like, I feel like Walter helped a lot with that. And I'm like, dude, I will help you get, do a, a book. Ba-. And it's based on his trading cards that he did, um, that he does. And so he does video game, like, personality trading cards type thing oh shoot okay yeah and i got a trading <laughs> card with my likeness on it like it's crazy um yeah dude 
But yeah, the, the award that I got, you know, it's a Walter Day Award, so it's not like I got like a Nobel Prize or anything, but it's still like it still was enough recognition to get me out there a little bit. Right, and right. I was able to get a little bit further. It's the same thing with like the Super Nintendo book and you all like freaking doing your awesome, you know, videos and stuff on it helped me get out there. Like I will go to the fucking moon for you guys, all my buddies. Dude, like for I'm real. Sorry that video, I'm sorry that video took so long to do. Oh, I don't I was, I was trying to figure out how to really get it like you know i wanted to do it a service you know i wanted to get it out there i wanted it to be perfect well to me so. that stuff like when it comes out it's arbitrary the fact that you actually took the time is amazing you know what i mean and right, right. and the thing is it's all ebbs and flows like if everybody did their videos at the same time then it would you know just be one hit whereas yours came out later and people are like oh shit i forgot about that <laughs> like no, you know what i mean true. like it's it, it all works out in the end but that's the thing so like because of that, though, I'm doing the book for Walter. I'm not. I'm just doing it for him. I'm gonna give him to him. Like he can have the PDF. He can. I can get it on Kindle form. I can. I can help him with the Kickstarter or whatever. I don't have time to right. run it. Run a Kickstarter. But I could. I could put it on. You know, Kickstarter with him or one of his. Um, one of his people that he works with because there's a few um people that help out Walter a lot. Like whatever he needs, I will help him out with because. I recognize that without that, I would probably still be like an unknown in the literary world because nobody knew about hidden treasures. <laughs> like, I found out today. I thought that my first book, I didn't have a copy of it, the the European release, and right. actually the publisher got back to me today and he said, "So it actually was only digital." my first published book. I didn't know that. I thought it was out there a little bit in Europe. And he said he was waiting for the funds to build up for the book. And it was selling online, like digitally, but he was waiting for the funds to build up to do a print run. And then his company went under. Ah, so, so it never got the distribution that I thought it did. I was like, Oh damn. So like, they really were like scraping, barely getting by like as a publishing company, they were doing a big though out in Europe, but like pixel nation like mike levy also wrote for them like that's how it's crazy though but yeah so the thing is though is that like based on circumstance like shit doesn't just happen automatically you know what i mean right and if you don't take the time to thank everybody like even if it takes me years to work on this book because i've been working on this book since 2016 um on and off and the you know on the side while i'm working on my other books still right. though i want to get it to them and good, good stuff man yeah and it's not just like he just wanted a book about his trading cards but i'm doing um like everybody who's ever met him type thing are writing stories about walter day so i got a story from nolan bushnell you know who nolan bushnell is no who is that the owner of atari back in the day the guy who created chuck e cheese like he created Chuck E. Cheese too. He created Chuck E. Cheese, and he's the one who put Atari, like created Atari with a couple other guys, and put it on the map. So he wasn't he wasn't a big fan of Showbiz Pizza or whatever that other opposite well, company of Chuck E. Cheese was. I think it was called well, Showbiz. Yeah, that was that was his thing. That was his thing too. They were that the was, same thing. That was his thing. Yeah, wow. put in arcades and pizza together. <laughs> that was oh, him. Wow, dude. That was all him. Like he is a legend in the he he has a Walter Day card. Anybody who has a card in this book, I reached out to, and actually I'm working with this guy Todd Friedman, who's a huge collector of the cards. And I think he's like a DDR Dance Dance Revolution 
row record or something. I don't know. Oh my but, god! But <laughs> but he's um very passionate about, it and he's actually gathering a lot of these interviews for me. So I'm actually gonna double bill it. Like I'm gonna put his name on it too, uh, Todd, because he's been he's and I'm telling him like, hey dude, if you get all the reviews edited and everything for me or like put together, then you did all the the work on the reviews. I just did the the actual book production and the layouts and the creation. Like it'll be cool. That'll be that's another book I'm working on. You know what I mean? Like there's multiple avenues, and then and of course I'm writing my own memoirs too of gaming, <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> but that's that's gonna take me years because I'm doing it so slow. Hey, well, hey, you know, take your time, man. Yeah, it's man. Not going anywhere. Well, and you I know. mean, the thing is, is that right now, Hidden Gaming Gems is freaking awesome. Like, I I almost think, especially with your passion on that fifth generation, I think I might <laughs> have to hold off some of mine for the second for a second book. Because yeah. my cutoff now after the 630 page like craziness and realizing how expensive it is and how like shit can go wrong with like binding and stuff, which doesn't happen with a 500 or less. I'm doing 500 is what I want my cutoff to be for pages. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And here's the thing to put in perspective. So right now I have about half the reviews in the book already formatted and I'm at 350 pages. (laughs) (laughs) And the book looks awesome. Like it's already formatted um dude like and like i had a legendary writer do the uh first chapter because in the original hidden treasures i started with the second generation well i met leonard herman who's the gaming scholar like he's the first historian on gaming he's been writing for 30 years and his book phoenix four has a lot of history i'm like hey would you mind writing the first chapter first generation and he did so he has a good five pages on the first generation of gaming, like with the Pong clones and the Odyssey and everything. Oh, wow, dude. So that's in the book, and he already submitted, so that's already there. And I have lots of big pictures, though. There's a lot of pictures in there to make it visually pleasing, because that's what I like. Right. So, like, most of the games are about four-page reviews. I got to get you all, being the reviewers, like the word count on the shorter ones and then the word mm-hmm. count on the longer ones. Because in all reality, when I say it's four pages, like I'm looking at Crypts of Chaos right now, it's there's <clears throat> there's really two pages of full text, and the rest is imagery. Okay. So you're talking full two full like word pages is going going to get you there, like without a word count. Because um, I'm gonna do like full page, like full width screenshots of the right. games. And then I'm going to do like promotional artwork or any other artwork I could find that's, you know, fair, fair use. Um, okay. Like some crazy shit. And I've been posting like the games, like just a screenshot or a picture of the games as I go through. So let's see. So the games that I'm already covering in the Reggie generation. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the fifth generation. I covered Guardian Heroes already on the Sega Saturn. Nice, I love that game. Yep, that one's a six pager. Um, I wrote it. Uh, Incredible Crisis. Incredible Crisis, nice, dude. Okay. Which yeah. is actually, um, I I think it was Mike Mike Levy actually said, "I want to do Incredible Crisis." I'm like, I already wrote about it. No, it was um Xander, uh, XS. Xander. Oh, I forgot about Xander. Yeah. Yeah, Xander. Yeah. So he's gonna write about Silhouette Mirage instead. I'm like, yes. Silhouette <laughs> Mirage. Wow, that game is oh, weird, man. So weird. <laughs> Yeah, Incredible Crisis is fucking weird. Um, 
I know, I know, um, right? I wrote about yeah. wind jammers. Wing Jammers, uh, wind... I, I never got into that game. I, I never yeah. saw what the, what the big hype was about that game. So Wind Jammers like... is essentially, I call it Pong in the 90s, honestly, because it's, it's really in the spirit of Pong. But it's right. awesome. I have I have the physical cartridge for the MVS. Right. So I actually have a physical copy of it for the Neo Geo MVS. Oh, shoot. Um, okay. It's awesome. They did a re-release of it in HD on the PS4, so you know people know I, about I saw that. that. I just uh, I just didn't get what like mm-hmm. I don't know man like I, I didn't see the game in arcades when I wasn't when arcades were out. It's the most nineties so, way you could play freaking this. It is nineties all over. Yeah, I know, right? That's cool. <laughs> um, but I never saw it out there. Yeah, I wrote about Blast Core for the sixty four. I, I remember Blast Core. Fucking love Blast Core. Um, probably my favorite game on the sixty four. That's not Nintendo like staple. Um, Einhander on the PlayStation. Oh, man, actually, that game is tough. But yeah, that's Love a good game. it. Um, Wendy, every which way on the Game Boy Color. <laughs> it's of in course. the same. It's in the same generation. I just just finished writing that one. And I thought then, you saw that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, what's up? I thought you saw that game because of my video I made of it recently. Mm-mm. No, I wrote about this like a while ago. Nice man. That's the thing that's crazy. It's like people are like, "Did you uh, you steal that idea from from Metal Jesus?" I'm like, I started writing this book in 2008. <laughs> like, steal ideas, man. Like, what's up with people? Like, people well, they were like, the most negative stuff. They were like, oh, it's you stealing Metal Jesus with hidden gaming gems. And I'm like, I wanted to call this book Hidden Gaming Gems, and Pixel Nation changed it to Hidden Treasures. Uh, they changed the name. And I wrote, I started writing this book in 2000. Actually, it was 2000. Yeah, 2008 is when I started writing this book. So, nice, like, like no, man. Like, and the thing was, is Jason would probably write in it, but he's busy as shit. Just like. He's really busy. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like he, he, he just was straight Joe up with. He's straight up with me. He's like, dude, I don't have time. Sorry, man. Yeah, him and Joe are the only two people I know that have to have count. They have calendars where they write stuff down where they have to do. Yeah, like it's crazy. I'm like, wow, dude. Yeah, dude. But like, yeah. So then the other two games that I'm writing about are extremely obscure, like really fucking obscure. Um, right. Judgment Silver Sword on the Wonder Swan Color. Wonderswan, you got me there. That's that's more of a, a Kelsey's thing. So Wonder and the Wonderswan Color were created by Gumpei Yokoi, who created the Game Boy. Um, yep. After the Virtual Boy, he was kind of petered out and let go yeah, by I Nintendo. Yeah, I can't believe that, dude. All, after all the success he made for mm-hmm. that company, they treat him like that, man. That's, yeah, that's they, horrible. they fucking dropped him, which was terrible. Um, he created the Wonderswan. The Judgment Silver Sword was actually, there was a... Um, coding competition for the Wonder Swan, like later on by fans, and the winner of that competition got a physical game made and distributed. Really, and that was Judgment Silver Sword. And there's two versions of the game. Um, it was released in 2004. <laughs> like, like yeah, Wonder Swan was out in the late 90s. So the game is, is shoot 'em up. It looks amazing. You you tilt the Wonder Swan uh, vertically, like an arcade, like a shoot 'em up. You tilt the actual console vertically to play it. Um, it's awesome. But that's going to be a cool one to write about. And then the other one for the Wonder Swan is Mekaimura. Mekaimura. Mekaimura is Ghost and Goblins. Oh. However, this is on the black and white Wonder Swan. Because the first Wonder Swan was black and white. Um, right when the Game Boy Color came out, with everything starting to go color, they released it in black and white. Um, but Mekaimura is the fourth Ghost and Goblins game. So you have you Ghost and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Then you have 
the Wonder Swan Ghost and Goblins, and then you have Ultimate Ghost and Goblins. This game is completely different, and completely like the boss f- battles are over the top. It's amazing, and it's only available on the Wonder Swan. Is it expensive? <laughs> no, I got a CIB copy of it for like twenty bucks or something. So you do a video on it, that's just gonna explode. So you better get your copy. <laughs> I, I know, right? I better get a Wonder Swan too. I want the crystal version. That's the best one to have. Yeah, I don't have the crystal. I got the color uh, Final Fantasy version of it. Um, the crystal version plays a couple of extra games. I, I mean, obviously, I'm gonna do a Wonder Swan book in the future. Um, I'm gonna do everything in the future, but like. I'm going to get to all the popular shit first. Right, and right. Then Makes while sense. I'm working on a giant PlayStation-sized book, I'll probably work on a, a Wonder Swan or a Virtual Boy book or something like that just because I'm OCD. I want a book on everything. I mean, right. I mean I'm going to go backward, too. I need a ColecoVision book or an Atari 2600 book. Like, that'll be a thing. I'm not mm-hmm. as – I feel about the Atari like you feel about the NES and Super Nintendo a little bit. Like, they're cool, right. but it ain't my thing. Yeah, it's it, I, yeah, I totally get you. I'm in, I'm in that boat, and that's how I understand how you feel about the PlayStation and how you feel about the pixel style games. You're like they're cool, but my collection is the PlayStation era. Like exactly, I yeah. get it, <laughs> and I get it, and I enjoy the PlayStation era too. That's the thing. Like I love everything, and that's bad. That's dangerous. So, yeah, you know, it's, fu- it's funny, man. The PlayStation. You know, you know how well the Wii did and everything, how well it sold. Yeah, but it's still not the best uh, console selling console system of all time. It's, that yeah. still goes to the PS2, PS2, and the PS yep. and PS1. It's a close second, I believe. I think uh, the Wii's the third. I think. Which one's the third? I think Wii is the third. Yeah, Wii is the third. And they the literally PS2. had to bring in grandmas and moms into that to 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 get up that high. I know, right? It had to make it appeal to everybody. Now, I think the Switch might be breaking some records. Like, if it keeps going like it's going now, over the, the hype that it's had over this first year, if that keeps up, it, it may outsell everything. Um, I don't think Nintendo's going to be able to maintain that hype. I saw their E3 presentation. Yeah, um, I don't think so either. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as I want them to succeed, because I like mm-hmm. having the Switch as a secondary system to my PS4. Yeah. But they, I don't know. I just see a lot of games that are kind of like, on other systems being ported over mm-hmm. and not ported over well. I want uh-huh. more exclusive stuff. Like, make games specifically for that system. And... I think they're going to have both. Um, Nintendo's exclusives are always slow. Over Ever since the Super Nintendo, Nintendo's exclusives have always been slow as shit. Like, I remember on the N64, they released games so fucking slow that I bought a PS1. <laughs> I know, right? I started, and I, I got Wipeout, and I got the dir- Resident Evil Director's Cut. Um, I got Resident Evil 2, um, Soul Edge. I got a bunch of games because I was like, shit, I don't have any new fucking games. I was I was working, you know, I had a little part-time job, high school, whatever, and I had right. some cash. And I'm like, fuck it, I got enough money built up now. It's been so many months without a fucking 64 release that I'm going to buy a PS1. Like, <laughs> And I did. And I, got, I think I got Tobal number one with my PS1, and, and, and that was the first game I had, Tobal number one. But here's my thing with a with a 64 too, man. It's like I got one after I got the PlayStation, but the only three games I had for it was a Zelda, Wipeout, and uh, Zelda Wipeout, and I think I had uh, Star Fox. Yeah, Star Fox 64. Mm-hmm. And I, I played those games. And I had a great time with them, but there was nothing else out there that interesting to me. 
Of course, there's Mario 64, but that wasn't that was I could I, I could just borrow that one from a friend. Yeah. But <clears throat> three games, man. And on my PlayStation, I almost had 20 games that I really enjoyed playing. Exactly. So, so the thing is too is that like that slow like you were saying with like you only getting a few games for 64. That's Nintendo's thing. That's what they do. That's it didn't work for the Wii U, but where the Switch I think is going to be different, and it already is is the indie games getting the physical cartridge releases um, and getting a little more focused digitally. That right, right there, and the, you know the fact that it's essentially a portable home console, it's a portable. I, I consider it the next evolution of the, the Vita, honestly. Like, it's the next version of the Vita that you can literally connect to a thing and put it on a TV with no lag, easily. You can put the Vita on TV, too. But this is it's easy. It's it's marketed that way. It's marketed better. And you have so you have your Nintendo franchises, you're gonna have some old ass ports of of last gen and eighth generation. Um and then you're gonna have all these indie titles that are amazing and perfect for those of us who love old school Nintendo. Because a lot right. of a lot of those developers take tribute from those games. So it works right. out. And they, they think it's cool getting it published on Nintendo. Now can they keep that momentum? Because last year we had a lot of big Nintendo titles. This year the Nintendo titles that are releasing this year aren't as big as a Mario and a Zelda. Um, you're going to have Smash. That's going to be big. But not for right. everybody. So, I mean, you have yeah. you have Mario Kart, Zelda, and freaking and, um, Mario Odyssey last year. That's huge. It, it is huge, man. But here's the, here's the funny thing is that they have the – since they came in during the middle of this uh, this uh, generation cycle, yep, that the PS, PlayStation, and Microsoft are probably getting ready to release or uh, announce their systems coming out, and I'm sure they're coming to come out in 2020. So by definition, the Switch is part of the ninth generation. By definition, yeah. the way that console generations have always went, that's why the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro are like 8.5. Um. Uh. I don't know if I would, and PSVR is kind of an 8.52, or it could be 9 because it's new tech. Right. But I would almost consider PSVR as part of the ninth generation. But the thing is, when they release their new consoles, they'll be part of the Switch's generation, whether they come out two years later or four years later. That's the thing, though. People are, you know how people are. They uh-huh. love looking at the new technology, and they go crazy over it. So they're going to like mm-hmm. push that stuff over. And look at the new generation of video games, which the Xbox and uh, Sony will be putting out. So. And the Switch will not be able to have the same games. They, they nope. won't, It won't be able to. Um, and, and then that's what Nintendo did with the Wii. Um, and Nintendo's defense, maybe, or maybe lack of marketing sense back in the day, the GameCube was one of the most popular ones up there with the Xbox. Right, and they fucking failed miserably because it just they didn't have a way to push that. So that's why with the Wii, they essentially just took the GameCube tech and just put motion controls with it. It's the same exact fucking tech. They didn't, they didn't, you know, evolve at all. So the next generation was literally the last generation's tech for Nintendo, and then the Wii U was a was an upgrade, but it's still a generation behind. And that's just right. how Nintendo is. But they've made so much money with the Wii that they've realized they don't need it. But they're never going to get that mainstream coverage. Yeah, man. They uh they dropped the ball on that when they let Sony, when they messed up that deal with Sony back in the day. 
Yeah, they did. Sony took off with it, so. I I mean, hell, you could say the same about Atari. Because Nintendo wanted to publish their system with Atari. And Atari said, get the fuck out of here. And then they did it it themselves. So, (laughs) I mean, Sony has literally had the same kind of, you know, history as Nintendo did when it was created. Um, The thing is, though, I actually like it. I don't want Nintendo to do... um, to do the the biggest tech because then no. it's a then it's a different system. Then I got a reason to buy both. Um, yeah. I got we don't have a reason to buy a PlayStation and an Xbox except yeah, for exactly. a couple fucking well, maybe exclusives. One or the other, and then a, a Switch. Yeah, and then you're good to go. And that's the thing. So Nintendo has that perfectly, where it's like, all right, this is different. They got crazy ass gimmicks. They got crazy shit that we can do. Um, I don't know. if I just played the um, arcade port of Donkey Kong. First ever console port of the arcade Donkey Kong. And you can spin the fucking Switch sideways and play it in arcade way, the vertical. That's pretty cool. Full screen. I like that. Yeah, and it's perfect. And and they have a world record mode where you can set high scores and put it on online leaderboards. And Mm. the world record holder of the arcade Donkey Kong is the world record holder on the Switch already. Really? Yeah, Wes Copeland. Like, he won, he's the world record holder for Donkey Kong on the arcade. And I looked up there, it says W. Copeland on there. I'm like, that motherfucker, he's already. <laughs> he beat us to it. <laughs> he, he's fucking, he's, that's hilarious. he's a cool ass dude, though. I've, I've met him at conventions, too. Um, but that's the thing, though. I think that Nintendo is smart for not doing the biggest tech, but I think that they're also, they didn't go far enough forward with the Switch. Yeah, I, I agree. And Especially storage. I do well. Yes, yeah, storage. Well, I I like how they did this. Well, here's the thing: it was the switch. Mm-hmm. I like what they did because you know I'm a big PlayStation Vita fan. I like the Vita, but the problem with the Vita was Sony dropped the ball with the memory in the, in the memory cards in the in that system. The memory cards were so expensive. And yeah, they're proprietary, and, their own style, and they're freaking expensive as shit. And expensive, yeah. They were trying to make everybody bow down so they could only buy those cards because they didn't want anybody using anything else or possibly hack their system. Sony is one of the hardest companies to hack out of everybody, mm-hmm. and they're you know for good reason. But I think they went overboard with the Vita, man, because the Vita could have been very successful if they didn't use those memory cards. I mean, you think about the people who want to just download games, right? Yeah, those games take up a lot of space. I mean, almost sometimes up to four gigs. You get a, a regular sixteen gig memory card, you know, you're almost out of data. Almost a couple you know? games, yeah, yeah, a couple games. It just doesn't make any sense. And then so as that, tech progresses, people are going to release memory cards cheaper, but not the Sony proprietary one because nobody buys it except for Vita owners. Yeah, exactly. So then you don't get a cheap freaking 128 gigabyte card in the future. Man, that thing, that thing if it had memory, man, it would have done as well as the PSP did. But. Here's, here's the thing. Do they have a, you know how they have an SD card adapter for a micro SD? Do they have yep. a Switch card adapter? Or not Switch? Switch? No, a, um, a Vita card adapter for a micro SD? They do, but you have to mod the system to, do, to use it, I believe. Oh, that's lame. That's the thing. Okay. So, yeah, dude, because yeah, I remember the PSP was hacked, and that thing is amazing because it was hacked. Immediately hacked. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's like one of my favorite handhelds because it was hacked and I could throw all the shit on it. Nowadays, oh, though, yeah. like I don't like I can, you can hack the Switch now. Um and I didn't do it yet because it's like yeah, well the, I don't need to a... I don't need to play the NES games I have the Everdrive I can play it on my actual NES 
Yeah, the Switch as a way of hacking it where they can't stop it from being hacked because it's nope. actually uh, the chip software, I believe, right? And for like like less than $6 shipped on eBay, you could buy a little dongle that somebody 3D printed and you just put it in the controller thing and it does like a little voltage overrun and then you can hack it. It's part of the it's part of the hardware. And Nintendo can't do anything about it. Not until they make another revision that fixes it, a, a hardware revision, which means that anybody who has a Switch it's fine man I'm glad I got I'm glad I got the first version do you think they're gonna revise the switch um yeah I've heard <laughs> that I've heard that they're going to upgrade a lot of shit in the next version of the switch like tech and stuff inside of it we'll see yeah we'll see I mean I'm not gonna buy it unless it's like crazy different like it has to be a gimmick, gimmickry different. Because I like my, yeah, gotta, I like my Switch. Yeah, I actually like mine too. For everybody who's, who's listening, man, I actually enjoy the Switch. It's a cool system. Mm-hmm. I don't play it that much, but when I go to certain places and you know, I take it with me at conventions. You know, I, it's pretty cool. I, I, I like would it. say that I don't play my Switch enough. I want to play it more. It's just time wise. Like yesterday, I was playing Utopia too. I, I just want to play some Utopia too. Like, oh. <laughs> just did. Here's something I want to tell you. You remember? You remember that Super Nintendo game, Wild Guns? Yes. Okay, so the Switch version of the game, which is the physical, uh-huh. uh they have a, a mode in it called beginner, beginner Mode, which is awesome because you can actually play the game with like unlimited credits. Nice. You go through the whole game, which is nice, so you can get a familiar a familiar uh, way of playing the game instead of like, because the game is hard, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you played it. It's a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I have the original on cartridge, and then... um. I bought the physical version for the Switch. I haven't had time to play it. Okay, you got it already. So you're ahead of the game. Uh, I actually have the, 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 the Super Nintendo version. I got the PS4 version and the Switch version, but the Switch version is the best one to play. Is it? Because, oh yeah, because they added the beginner mode into it makes the game a lot easier. Oh, so I mean, only the Switch has the beginner mode? Yeah, they were supposed to patch the, the PS4 version, but they never did. Damn. So the Switch version has it yeah, already on the, on the card, so you can play beginner mode. Credit free, free, unlimited, and go through the game and just get a good familiar way of playing it because mm-hmm. it, it plays. A, it's an arcade game initially, pretty much. It's, it's made you no know, like in an arcade way, like you yeah. put quarters in and everything. So yeah, or at least it's made in that image. So it's a hard game. I mean, it's meant to. I mean, it's tough. So a lot of people might just want to go through the game and just have fun with it. Beginner mode is the best way to play it because beginner mode is the same as every other mode in the game with difficulty. But it just gives you unlimited lives, which is great. So, yeah, it's a fun way to play it, and it's actually one of those things why you um having something in the arcade versus on the Mame will are always arbitrarily feel different, and it's not right. because of tech or anything. It's because you can put in infinite quarters, whereas if you actually have to physically put in a quarter, like add an arcade, you have to get good. Right. It's it's a different feeling and it's it's really hard to rekindle that. But the thing is is that people like being able to, you know, play through the game. So having that there is awesome. I think. I think it's amazing. And then if you want to get better, there's hopefully there's something cool unlockable if you beat it in normal mode or something and then it's worth yeah, doing, yeah. going through. You know, mm-hmm. it's cool. I like it. I like that to do infinite credits every once in a while, especially if you're just playing for fun. Well, Nintendo always had this weird thing with their games where you run out of credits, they will make you start the level over again. Yeah, that's but in classic. Genesis games, they will let you start at the same point, like uh, Somerset Riders on the on the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. Yep. 
Sunset Riders, you run out of lives, you can start up right back from the same spot you're at, just like the arcade. But Super mm-hmm. Nintendo version says, nah, you gotta start the whole level over again. And I always I always hated that when I was a kid. Like, yeah. So- yeah, there's um <laughs> what is it? The uh YouTube channel uh, Console Wars with my buddy Dan. He um his show oh, is, I've seen those guys his show's so cool. I met him at conventions too now. Um but like he they do some really cool comparisons. Like I I don't know if they did Suns I think they did Sunset Riders. But like they literally talk about that, and I, every time it seems like Genesis always was a little more lenient. Like when you compare it side by side with games yeah. on both consoles, and or Genesis had extra stuff like extra characters, like WWF right, WrestleMania, the arcade game had two extra wrestlers. Shaq Fu had an extra playable character, even like. Yeah, they always did it like something a little extra on the Genesis version. It seemed like speaking man, man. speaking of Shaq Fu, I heard that it was um the new one was short, but it's not bad. It's actually funny. oh yeah, it's, it's short. It's short and sweet. It's it's a funny game. It's like a re-imaging of the old Shaq Fu thing and a beat em up. Like, yeah, it's a beat em up. He uh, instead of a fighting game, Shaq's voice in it. Shaq has always been a terrible voice actor to me, so it's like ugh. But uh, and I heard I, that there was DLC that was released this week called Barack Fu. He plays Barack Obama. Events, really, politicians. that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, it's free DLC. It's timed release. Is Barack Fu? You plays Barack Obama and beat the hell out of politicians and stuff. Time release. I better go download it now in case I get the game. Yeah. That game, Shaq Fu and Bubsy were meant to be like short but sweet games. I think. Yeah, I didn't. Bubsy I didn't play a- the new Bubsy. I heard it was all right. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's better than any of the other ones. Least, I actually so. didn't mind the Bubsies back in the day. I played them on the Super Nintendo when I would rent them. And, like, they're hard. They're one-hit death, annoyingly hard. But I enjoyed them, and I would get pretty far in them. Like, well, Bubsy, to me, back in the day, I thought he was supposed to be the answer to Sonic, like, because he ran yep. real fast and everything. Yeah, that dude. I thought he was going to be, like, the answer to Sonic, but he well, wasn't at all. He, well, he was just... The reason why it didn't work is because of the one-hit deaths, whereas Sonic, if you got hit, you just lose your rings, and you can get another ring, you can get hit again. Right. So you could always run fast. You couldn't run fast in Bubsy because you get hit, you lose. Right. That was the thing. There was always that. If you ran fast, you were going to run into something and get killed. So There's actually a game digitally on the Wii U that reminded me a lot of um, Sonic. It was a digital Wii release. U? Yeah, the characters were purple. I think it was Freedom Planet, maybe? or No, not Freedom oh, Planet. Oh, yeah. So, maybe okay, it was. So, yeah, Freedom Planet was actually going to be a Sonic yeah. fan game. Yeah. Yeah. What they did was they said, man, we're not going to make no money on it, dude. They might as well make money because they were doing extensive uh, a Sonic fan game. So I changed it to Freedom Planet, and I bought it. I have it on the uh, I have it on the, uh, uh, the, the PlayStation 4. Yeah. And this game is awesome, dude. I mean, I had so much fun playing through that game, man. It has so many extras. Uh, that might be a hidden gaming through. gem. I did a review on it. So yeah. uh, one of my first reviews I did, I had to do it on that game. I was very happy with it. And... Dude, I mean, I just want that game to get a physical release so bad. It ha- actually has a physical release on PC. Does it? Do those indie boxes? Oh, but I want, like a console release. Yeah, and that that was one thing that um Rewind Mike asked me. I'm like, hey, if you all want to use some of your old scripts and fit them into the four categories for the uh, Hidden Gaming Gems book, you absolutely can from old reviews you've done. Like, cause if you already like wrote a script or already talked about the game, like you don't have to remake the wheel, like. The, yeah, the categories are synopsis, graphics, um, sound, and 
something else in there sound and music maybe so you want all four of those categories in the room oh no right? no it's um it's synop- it's synopsis gameplay graphics and okay. sound and then why you want why you should play it that's it then okay. literally like any review you can fit that into that those are the main four things of a review and then if somebody wants to get into the history they can write that in the hot synopsis or if you want to talk about music and sound effects that's in the sound and graphics part like it's it's easy to structure it that way and it makes for a really quick read with music around it too or right. not, not music around it uh screenshots around it <laughs> music in a book that's what we do uh <laughs> dude man that's yeah that's awesome man that's what I'm saying, though. Like, that might keep things simplistic for you, too, if there's a bunch of games you've already reviewed. Dude, I don't write any of my reviews, man. I, I just do them, like, off the cuff. Like, like just how we're talking now. I yeah. just talk about them like that, which is, I don't write anything. Oh. <laughs> which is hilarious. Oh, you know what? I got to uh, say, good luck. <laughs> You'll need it. Right. Now, that's a <laughs> Smash TV quote. <laughs> oh, it's Smash. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, uh, I, I talk off the cuff, which is it's totally fine and everything, but uh, I, I'm actually going to, like, for my future reviews, I'm going to probably start doing more extensive ones. So I'm going to start writing stuff down. Yeah, and uh, reading it like that because uh, I just, I just when I when I started doing reviews for my channel, I just wanted to kind of like just kind of dip my feet in there. So I said, you know, I'll just do it randomly off the cuff and see how it goes. And people actually liked them, which was great and everything. So now I feel comfortable doing them like that, like short reviews. So now the longer reviews, I'm going to start writing more stuff that was well, writing stuff down and going like that and see how they go because I want to do longer reviews, like maybe like up to ten minutes long at least. So what so I be- would do if I were you is bulletized. Like kind of how you would uh, do a PowerPoint right. brief. So basically, just write down like the the basically the bullets that you want to hit, but then you just go into depth on it, like in your own yeah. words, just your own review style that you already do. Right. That's how I like to do any kind of briefing or talk or panel. Is literally you hit up the topics you want to do, and then you just go crazy, man. Go fucking crazy. Well said, brother. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I think we probably should cut the episode. Cause we are getting, we are getting long. It's awesome, dude. We're it. almost at three hours, man. Fucking love going. it. Fucking love it. I keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Like, cause the thing is, is that I, I put them on YouTube. I don't expect anything out of the YouTube for it, just for fun. Like, <laughs> how many followers do you have on YouTube? Um, over the past, I think nine years, my channel's been around. Uh, maybe two forty, two fifty. Okay. Uh, you got 250 people on there after nine years so some of those people probably don't even log in because <laughs> 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 I, I, I did unboxings like 10 years ago and stuff for a while um oh you're yeah. a pioneer yeah like a while ago um i did single credit reviews for a little bit like like two three years ago um while i was working on super nintendo book i was doing those um, but I only do a few, and I just run out of time every time because that shit takes way too much time. You guys are crazy. <laughs> no, you're tired of that, man. Especially doing it right, like making it look good. Mm-hmm. You guys are cool, man. Well, I just want to say thanks for having me on, man. It's been yeah. great talking with you. Thanks yeah. for coming on just to shoot the shit, and we talk awesome about games. And obviously, we're going to do it again in the yeah, future, definitely. for Anytime. sure. For sure. Um, and then, of course, in the... On the website, on HigginsAlley.com, where I'm going to post everything. Um, and then in the show notes and everything, it'll have a link to your channel and all that fun jazz, of course. Okay, of cool, course, man. of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and then we will 
yeah, so basically I'm going to have this up on YouTube here shortly as soon as it gets up. And then I'm going to start working on the audio portion, which takes forever because especially a fucking three-hour episode. God damn. It's going to take Dude, it's gonna take a while to render out the... You, um, you should do one. You should do a, a one called Drill Sergeant Stories, man. That oh, would be my, so freaking oh awesome. Oh, my God. That, that would be hilarious, hilarious, man. Drill Sergeant <laughs> Stories. <laughs> All right, man. It'll be awesome, man. All right, man, Reggie. This is for the episode, not for our chatting right now because we're not going to hang up. But uh, (laughs) but thanks for coming on, Reggie.